following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system created by Fantasy Flight Games and produced by Edge Studios. A show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both the players and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning, and with me as always are my good friends and co-hosts, Chris Holmes and Stefan Dragonspawn. Stefan, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, progress is going well on our garage lot. The guys are back to working on it, so we'll have it. Great space pretty soon, despite the weather. Uh, other than that, you know, trying to survive in the Great White North up here. Uh, the dogs love it, though. So, And, uh, yeah, other than that, you know, not too much gaming going on, but uh, a little bit. Uh, so still getting, getting that uh, itch uh, scratched. Uh, what about you, Chris? Oh, I'm, sc- I'm scratching. I'm itching. <laughs> I'm having fun. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh yeah, plenty of gaming going on, and um, my wife is back from um, traveling a Ooh. bit. She brought the puppy, so um, forgive me, anybody, if you guys start hearing a little chirpy of my little uh, little dog tonight. Cat. Cat. Well, whatever. You know, the starter dog, right? Is that that's what you called her? <laughs> right, Sony. Hey, it's a cute little five-pound papillon named Piper. Yeah. That's it. Anyways. Yes, that's a cat. <laughs> Whatever, dude. I have a cat that Jeez. weighs four times that. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So, you know, dogs are supposed to, you know, relax the heart. And, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So does. So does. There she goes. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm excited to be here, boss. How about you, Tony? Oh, I've been working so hard. My back hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Working all the live long day. Are you channeling Risen there? Uh, <laughs> no. From I think so. <laughs> well, I'm not going to be able to do the voice for a few days, but yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, yeah, just working a lot, man. I have mm-hmm. so, um, so many things going on with work and just haven't been had, haven't had much time to do anything other than read role playing mm-hmm. books and my free time. Yeah. So, um, other than our, um, I think the last time we gamed was last Thursday when we played uh, um, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. I just haven't even been anywhere near my computer. <laughs> That's, like, sad. I know. <laughs> I've been doing the freaking oh. Viking lumberjack thing, man. Good oh, lord, yeah. playing Valheim. Shit, man. But more on the lumberjack later. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Foreshadowing. Yes, foreshadowing. So, what do we what are we going to talk about tonight, gentlemen? Well, we are going to have episode seventy seven, the sec part two of our um, vehicle section uh, spotlight, I guess it would be. Um, that is episode seventy seven: planes, trains, and submersible dogfighters. Oh my! <laughs> there you go. Oh my! <laughs> That's right. Well, okay then. 
Well, then let's uh, let's get into right. it. Let's start uh, boost. Let's boost. Let's yeah. have step and boost the signal here. Yes, I love submarines, of course. You know, everyone knows why. I'm sure. <laughs> get oh, wow. on with it. <laughs> Right, everybody. Here we are going to have Stefan boost the signal, where he shares all the hot Genesis news from Edge Studio section of the um, DTRPG Drive Through RPG, formerly known as the Foundry. Um, what do you have for us tonight, today, whenever you're listening to it, everybody? <laughs> Today is boosting the signal. It's all about vehicles. Vehicles. Not just motorcycles. Spaceships. And submarines. Because they're long, hard, and full of semen. <laughs> oh, that's why you <laughs> like the submarines. That's it. All right. <laughs> yes, today I'm boosting the signal related to our main topic. So, <laughs> I think I broke my, my co-host. I just <laughs> tried not to you spit water all over my keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> so, while they're recovering from that, um, Christopher, yeah, Christopher Ruthenbeck gives us the uh, Genesis Vehicle Companion. It's been out for a little while, but since we're talking about vehicles, I wanted to, to bring a spotlight back to it. So this uh, takes a deep dive into making vehicles of all shapes and sizes and tech levels for your various uh, Genesis settings. So it uses, of course, the Genesis core book and the expanded player's guide, and he expands a little bit uh, on it. I've read through them. He's pretty thorough. It goes over uh, many aspects of uh other vehicles, uh, what you put on vehicles, whether features, especially most important ones, sometimes weapons and armor, the qualities that are appropriate, uh, goes into detail about uh, scale, planetary scale versus personal scale, and uh, offers a few vehicles and even goes through building a couple of vehicles, two different vehicles, just to uh, work out on how it works out, uh, suggestions on you know, anything from what silhouette the vehicle should be or what range it should fall into, the hull threshold, the system strain threshold as well. So uh, we might refer to it during uh, the show. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Uh, I brought it up to my, my co-host's attention as well. So, uh, so yeah, you can check it out if, uh, if you want more details, you know, an, an actual document other than the, the main book book but just dedicated to vehicle and vehicle creation and uh it's only a, it's only uh uh 499 us uh available on drive through rpg and the link will be in the show notes all right i'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> well before you go <laughs> so um is there a um a deeper dive into like more of the uh weapons it does go a bit into the weapons, yes. Okay, good. With, yeah, like some qualities might not be appropriate okay. uh, or fitting, you know, like a stun might not be, but although you could refer to stun damage as 
a weapon causing, for example, only strain, like an ion cannon. There you go. Okay. A few other okay. things, you know, don't uh, you, know, you don't need pierce on most heavy weapons on planetary scale because they'll they'll use breach. So the difference between those two things, even okay. though they they do more or less the same thing, they're on a different scale. Got it. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, have have that handy there then, Stefan. If we need to reference it yep. when we're going through this other, um, when we're going through the expanded players guide through this. Uh, yep. Yeah. I've got the cool. PDF up on my computer, so we can look into it. So that's boosting the signal. Hopefully, uh, that will bring back some attention to this uh, pretty good product, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, a little bit more money on uh, on his to Christopher, and uh, maybe he'll produce more aura quality stuff in the future. Here we go. Okay, well, hey, welcome to the main chunk section of the show, the books of Genesis. Well done there, bud. Well done. Yeah, so we're going to break down. Uh, this is where we break down one section of the books in Genesis bit by bit. This time, as Tony said, we're going to do our uh, part two of our multi-show dive 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 into the various vehicle rules um found this time in the expanded player's guide page 58 um or page 59 if you have the pdf like myself um <clears throat> vehicle creation expanded rule creation section of the um expanded player's guide where we're going to talk about um constructing a vehicle um, so, uh, you know, this is where we're going to choose like the function of your vehicle. You're going to choose the silhouette, the characteristics, the skill that the driver or pilot will be using. Um, and you'll be shocked to say, to, to know that maybe that ship would not be using operation or whatever. Um, and then, um, you know, you'll select your we're going to go into selecting the characteristics of, of, of vehicles and how you would do that, which is going to be talk about that a little later. Um, keep in mind a uh, vehicle's price as well. So as you make these choices, there are um, tables in here where um, you'll add up, you know, how much your vehicle will cost. And I'll keep track of, I'll make, we're going to actually build up or build our own vehicle here and i'll keep track of how much it's going to cost us <laughs> i'm curious to see how much that will be um, before we decide what vehicle we're going to make and what, right. what, what all that stuff we have to decide what unit of measure we're going to use for our for our coinage well it will be the um well it's going to be a, well we're going to be making our vehicle in the tales of the epsilon eclipse right right so the unit of coinage could be really anything pick a world <laughs> Right. I say we use I mean, simoleons. <laughs> simoleons? Yeah. You know, the old Bugs Bunny cartoons. Hey, 15 simoleons. <laughs> That's cool. We could Looney do that. Looney Tunes always had Looney simoleons. Tunes. So there I, we go. I'm just being a jerk. I'm sorry. Or Hamburglar. We could do <laughs> We could do it in hamburgers. <laughs> Though, you know, we could do it shots. Yeah. 
since you know the epsilon eclipse or something yeah, um that would be painful we're not sure we're not sure yeah well yeah um well <laughs> generic credits we could do that for now since we haven't let's necessarily do, let's do cred cred okay slips <laughs> slips no, pull tabs pull tab oh the, there it is all right all right pull tabs will be the cost <laughs> cost princes in pull tabs <laughs> there we go all right okay so so yeah so now that we've decided on the currency that our vehicle will cost um we will uh start with and we've kind of hinted to it already the function of your vehicle so the first thing you want to figure out you want to ask yourself what is this vehicle supposed to do is it going to be used for exploration racing combat demolition um and then um once you have that function that could tell you what terrain it's going to be operating in um is it going to fly is it going to dive 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 underwater is it going to go on land is it going to be space vehicles it's just going to burrow itself into a freaking asteroid um in the belt somewhere and driven by a belt loader you know we'll see um and this is mainly a narrative element of the vehicle design because not a whole lot of um rules mechanics really change based on what terrain you're on um though some do uh but for vehicle specific there are some special rules towards the back that we'll talk about as well um so gentlemen what are we gonna make tonight as we build and go through vehicle creation Stefan? oh well i <laughs> i chose for ground vehicles a futuristic hover car oh okay so you're gonna make that well i thought we were gonna do just the one. Oh yes no sorry yeah. sorry so all right. your futuristic hover car can come some other day no yeah <laughs> we're gonna put I mean, the if you want to do that too that's cool you could once once we have the uh the technology then we can build it <laughs> awesome i thought as a group we would build uh the one that we're going to be using in our advantageous yeah. threats later which mm -hmm. is going to be yeah. a submersible dogfighter yep and oh, yeah. i've i've actually oh, yeah. forgot about it and I've, I'm actually going to suggest that we call it a sudo, S-U-D-O. Okay. A sudo. Okay. Sudo. Sudo. So a submersible dogfighter. Sudo. Now the okay. thing is, I'm a dork, and anybody out there, like Chris, yeah, if you work on Linux systems all day, you know that that's the name for like the super user do command. And I don't know. I figured <laughs> naming our ship that would be pretty awesome because i'm a dork that way and <laughs> so it's the super dork fighter got it all right yep let's do it because <laughs> welcome to the dork side everybody we have yeah. pull tasks the, <laughs> yeah. the, the two do 250 i don't know Something that's like right that. so if you haven't if you haven't figured it out yet it's a submersible so duh the c um and what's our function it's a dog fighter so it's going to be what demolition it's gonna be racing no it's gonna be combat baby combat, combat dogfighter. so 
underwater dogfighter. That's what go. we're doing. Now, what's our next? What's the next thing we have to decide on this? Who wants to go next? Well, then we have to decide how big it'll be. So that co- goes under the silhouette. <laughs> it's always about size with you, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. It has to be a sexy silhouette too. And since it's a submersible, <laughs> well, there is submersible. It has to be a certain size to kind of contain all the uh, the components uh, to allow it to uh, survive into various depths and uh, underwater environments. But depending also on the size of the crew, is it a one man vehicle or uh, multi uh, multi person crew? That may depend. So, what what uh, silhouette or uh, would we aim for? Well, and and table two one dash one, they do have suggestions. That's on page sixty. Mm-hmm. Um, of like the silhouette, and then in the examples they have, like a silhouette one would be that motorcycle that we've been hearing you um, uh, yeah, ride. Yeah, stuff. Oh, I thought, I thought it was motor boating. What? Oh well, maybe. <laughs> and then, um, you know, silhouette two would be like a fishing boat or a car. Silhouette three, though, semi truck, fighter plane, starfighter, yeah. speedboat, and then it goes through. You know, so this is a good, pretty good table. It's got silhouette, hull trauma, systems train, occupants, yeah. consumables. Yeah, all good, su- good suggestions to start off with. Mm-hmm. So, what so do we I think? guess, well, since uh, I guess fighter plane slash speedboat are in that category, that really I was thinking sense. I was thinking silhouette three myself too. Yeah, How were you Tony? Yeah. Agreed. Group consensus reached. All there right. So three it is. Nice. And what it does have in here is um talks about a price modifier mm-hmm. <clears throat> and our price modifier, our pull tab modifier for a silhouette three is going to be times one. So basically what that's going to mean is anything we add on to this that we find for a price, just take it straight out, multiply it by one. Yeah. Okay. Um, if it was larger, like silhouette, what, what would it say? Well, silhouette five. six, five, it would be two times, right? Mm-hmm. So anything you put on there would be twice the cost. So here it's just going to be straight up out of the book. That's it. So. All right. Yeah, and, and silhouette three, the line for silhouette three gives you, yeah, like, like you mentioned, suggestions for uh, the other stats. That, uh, yep, which we're going to get into as we go further into this. That's it. Okay. All right. Cool. Excellent. Tony, Tony right, what so the, uh, does that lead into? Well, that leads into um, determining what our control skill is going to be. So when you build your vehicle, you have to select how the characters are going to control it, whether they're driving, operating, or piloting, essentially. Uh, Driving is reserved for ground vehicles, unless they are truly massive. And piloting is reserved for aircraft and spacecraft, again, unless they're huge. If a vehicle uses uh, driving or piloting, it means it can be controlled by one or two characters also. 
using their quick reflexes and spatial awareness. Whereas operating, this is kind of your super huge large vehicles. Um, it's for your large watercraft, large spacecraft, large land vehicles. They require require a crew uh, yeah. to to act uh, not, to operate. Yeah, I'm not the only one who's obsessed by size, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the reason why is because operating, you're more controlling it using your brains and knowledge of how it's how it handles and weather conditions and such. Um, <clears throat> now, there's a sidebar here that I want to mention. Yep. yep. It talks about unorthodox control skills. And you guys have seen me use this, actually, yep. uh, in a Star Wars game that I ran. Uh, there are some exceptions to the guidelines for what uh, control skill works with a vehicle. Um, for example, a motorized speedboat that handles like a car would require the driving skill to operate, whereas a small sailboat would use operating because of the wind speed, heading, and sail area are things that you take into uh, account. Um, it's even possible, and this is the part I'm talking about, for a bicycle, rowboat, parachute, or whatever to use athletics or coordination. And I, what I say is the example I used is that I had um, you guys on um, jet skis. Um, yes, that's right. I think we were and, making, I uh, think you allowed us to use either, right? Coordination or coordination more than anything. Yep. Yeah. I pretty much had everybody using coordination for yeah. the. Well, I also had you guys on um, hover skateboards. Oh, that's uh, right. <laughs> yeah, the, the hover skateboards used coordination, and the jet skis used athletics. Is what it was. There we go. Um, that's right. To control. That was cool, dude. In like that it. particular uh, adventure that I ran at, uh, what was it, Con on the Cob 2019? Possibly, yeah. Two of them ago, yeah. A couple, yeah. Of, couple yeah. of years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, during, during one of the APs for the show, uh, the uh, the one uh, I ran for using Dragonstar, one of the characters, played by Darren, he had a hover uh, hoverboard kind of thing. And I had, I had keyed it to either athletics or coordination. Because cool. it's almost like surfing. Yeah. So. Nice. Awesome. So, I mean, there's that. You could also even, and I'll throw this out there, if you want to have um, uh, vehicles that are controlled by a magic user uh, in a magic setting, you could even have the control skill be uh, a type of magic mm -hmm. if it's a magical vehicle. You know, like, say, the the old, you know, those of us who played D-Shift-7-D forever knew about the old apparatus of the Qualish. You know, mm. that, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the oh, big yeah. crab mech thing, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and, you know, having that's using reasonable your using your arcana skill to control mm -hmm. a, 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 a magical. Uh, yeah, magical vehicle. based vehicle. Mm -hmm. Like you know, I was for instance, um, you know, maybe having that uh, that uh, witch character using uh, her divine to control her broom. Even oh, there you go. That's cool. If she wanted mm -hmm. to do, and again, these these are you'll be using that skill, your driving skill, when you're making those um, dangerous driving checks when you're going losing control of your vehicle. Right. You'll, that's when you'll be making those those checks. Um, you know, I was even thinking, what, what would you use for a, um, like a drone 
controlled remotely with like a that feels like coordination. Computers. Maybe computers. Yeah, you could use computers, computers for that. Drone piloting in uh, Shadow of the Beanstalk uses computers. Does it? Okay, yeah. cool. Well, there you go. <clears throat> yeah. Awesome. Uh, no. I, or I, actually, I think it also could use the mechanical skill or even piloting. Yeah, depending on the yeah, vehicle. I think any of those would be good. And I know, I know when I <laughs> I tried to have one of those um, little helicopters. Fuck, mm. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Because yeah. <laughs> they didn't have the coordination, it felt like coordination too. You know, you gotta gotta, you, you kind of gotta know what the hell you're skill. Doing. I didn't have any piloting skill. I don't know what the hell I was doing. Helicopters yeah. aren't supposed to fly anyways; they're controlled chaos. So. <laughs> <laughs> or so, or so drone. Get to, well, what we got or, Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Stefan. So I was mm-hmm. saying, just a, a land-based drone might require, could say, driving as well. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yep. yep. You know, like like those old remote cars that we used to have when we were kids sometimes. Right those on. I could drive. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, um, so the question is, what skill are we going to use for our our or sudo? Or sudo. Sudo. Yeah. Well, the sudo. I, I'm going with sudo. That's how I'm. Sudo. Works for me. Sudo. All right. I honestly, looking at it, so it is. While it is a high-speed watercraft, mm-hmm. you would think it might lean towards driving, but mm-hmm. We want it to be a dogfighter, and that's the right. key here, which will key it into piloting, in my opinion. I like it. That's what I was yeah. thinking, too. How about yeah, you, pilot, yeah, no, definitely piloting, because that takes into account the third dimension, too, not just on the ground, like a, a flat surface. You have to go up and down sometimes. Yep, yep, yep. And so um, piloting would make sense. Yeah, so that has no effect on the vehicle price. So... um Sweet. To control whatever skill you choose, so it doesn't really matter. Right now, it's super cheap. Yeah. <laughs> right now, we're at zero pull tabs. Zero times one. Is zero. We have yeah. zero. Exactly. Zero times one. Zero pull tabs right now. Yep. It's now just a concept or pseudo. 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 We got the yeah. blueprint. They got the, well, uh, it's manifesting. <laughs> yep. The, the Acme no, blueprint. We have the paper. <laughs> we have the paper. That's right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, let's see. So what? Do we have next then? Is that me? Are we doing round robin? Is that me? Or oh, you that, that would be your that would be your turn, I think. Okay, so let's see. So our maximum speed and handling is next. So every vehicle begins with a max speed of one, handling of zero. Okay. Um, and and you could potentially they they recommend max speed up to six, a handling plus four, or negative minus four. Um. But really, they said you can really have any speed or handling if you want. But um, just keep your the function of your vehicle in mind and the size when you're making the max speeds um, and handling when you're taking those into consideration. Um, they do say that uh, cars and trucks, most ground vehicles, may have um, a slower maximum speed and worse handling. Smaller vehicles, faster with better handling. Just common sense, right? Air vehicles have high speeds, um, definitely positive handling there too. Water vehicles usually slower with negative handling, which I have a comment on our vehicle for that, by the way. Um, spaceships are either designed like an aircraft, fast and agile, or they're just huge, and they're slow and plodding along in the, you know, in the depths of space. Um, now, um, 
they do mention here, despite being air vehicles, hot air balloons have a terrible speed in handling. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Duh. While modern aircraft carriers have surprisingly good speed despite their size, which is true. Um, so um, there is there are suggestions. Um, yeah. So there is a chart. table. There is a te- chart here. Yep. For max speed and handling costs. So thinking about it, our maximum speed for our vehicle here. Um, I don't know. I'm thinking, I'm, I was thinking four. Yeah. If it's a dogfighter, like, uh, to bring the, uh, the vehicle companion that Christopher made, yeah. he does, uh, one paragraph talks about speed, depending, uh, some maneuvers or and actions will require a minimum speed. So if you want a oh, vehicle, a vehicle that's in a dogfight, that means to use evade and gain the advantage, for example, requires a minimum speed of either four or five. So, so four, we'll have so. to. So it'll have to be four. Now, I'm looking yeah. at. I'm on page um, two thirty one in the core rule book, looking mm-hmm. at the aerospace superiority fighter. Basically, it's your dogfighter, right? Your air, your aircraft yeah. jet fighter. Yeah. Their max speed whatever. is five. Your that max speed is five. I don't see us going that fast underwater no but i do see a four i could definitely see a four and be able to evade and stuff yeah works for me and the handling on the superiority fighter is a plus two though i don't see this being as being able to handle it i don't see it being a negative handling though i could see these being a plus one maybe zero probably a plus one at least, yeah, plus one, maybe, you know, with extra work with, you know, whatever technology uh, makes it more maneuverable than a full-sized submarine with a crew, this might only, uh, maybe much more nimbler. Mm-hmm. And, and I so, agree yeah. with you there, because here, you know, it says in the design notes on page 60. Uh, I like this. those design notes, by the way. Handling, while an abstract measure of a vehicle's maneuverability, is only used when making checks operating the vehicle using specific actions such as gain the advantage and dangerous driving both are going to be things that you're going to be rolling a lot of and when you're thinking of a high speed well controlled underwater dog fighter this is a submersible that acts like a plane like a dog fighting plane or starcraft then yeah i think a, a decent handling of one is right in the sweet spot. Yeah. Gives you that one boost die right there, Stefan. <laughs> exactly. Without asking how to ask for it. Oh. <laughs> All right. So on here, so then if we look on the table here, our maximum speed of four will add 5,000 PTs, you know, okay. pull tabs, right? <laughs> and then um, the plus one handling adds 1,000 PTs. So. <laughs> yep. There we go. And there we go. Times, times one. So. That's right. Times one. <laughs> All right. What do we got next? All right. Then we go to the other af- aspect of defense, armor, hull threshold, and strain stre- threshold, system strain. Yep. So I'll uh, we'll start with, of course, uh, defense and armor. So what represents the, its systems to avoid being damaged or just you know, soaking up. Uh, so 
it's a water vehicle. It's a water vehicle that will be made for combat. Mm -hmm. So probably have a few points uh, of armor. Uh, when it talks about this, uh, most vehicles, of course, start with zero defense, zero armor. Right. The material is not strong enough to actually you know, offer any kind of protection most of the time. Uh, but of course, uh, it does mention that every point, uh, you have to remember that every point of armor and hull that it has takes, it represents 10 points of damage from personal scale uh, attacks or, or, or weapons. So even one point of of armor means it's it's going to be very very resistant to uh, to anything. So for smaller vehicles, they say armor of one to three, while something bigger, so with four or more, can have two to four. So we've got our silhouette three mm -hmm. uh, vehicle uh, being a small vehicle. I think one we could say one or two. I yeah. go with one. I'm, yeah. yeah, I was thinking one as well. One, yeah, because we yeah. want to maybe it may represent the fact that they sacrifice a bit of armor to get that maneuverability. And it's still underwater. It's still you yeah. still want it to be a little light. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so we got the armor, and then defense would like just like a shield or other types of armor represent uh, different different things. It could be energy shields, like they say, the angled. Armor plating, uh, magical protective fields, and whatever camouflage. Yep. Uh, for a dogfighter, uh, it could be just the, uh, the the hull itself is streamlined to deflect some uh, some of the weapons used uh, underwater. I like this phrase so, right here: sensor baffling technology. Mm -hmm, that yeah. that is a great way to represent a defense rating. You know, for for this for this vehicle specifically, you're thinking, yeah. or just well, in in, in general, in general, it's a yeah. great way to um, represent a defense rating in any vehicle. But in this particular vehicle, I think some sensor yeah. baffling technology in it, um, because the word baffle brings to mind not it's a nautical term. It is a nautical um, term. I like where you're going too. with that, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and I think uh, so. If we're going to look at what we want to do specifically for this vehicle, I'm thinking of a, this is my personal opinion, defense rating of one. Yeah. Well, you know what? I was, I was actually thinking, so let's think about this. Right. It's going to have a fore and aft sensor. It's not going to have sides, right? Is it going to have four? Um, Probably not. No. Defense, it'll have forward and back. Now, here's a question. If we have defense one, we'll only be able to put defense in the forward or the back. If we give it defense two, we can have one on each, forward and back. And it gives the and it gives the players some options to say, hey, let's just put it in front, all in front. Um Yeah. Yeah, like you like sometimes we hear in sci fi, like, yeah, you know, uh, or does the, it or the does aft it, deflector shields? <laughs> or am I or am I thinking or am I thinking Star Wars too much? Do uh, they have sensor areas in Genesis? I can't couldn't remember. I don't. Or you just? I think you just have a defense. You just have a defense. It's just defense. I don't believe we have defense divided by zones in in uh, Genesis. Okay, then if that's the case, I think the one would be just fine. 
It's and that one is across the board in all yeah. directions, essentially. Right. I believe yeah. we went away from defense zones uh, in Genesis. Got it. Oh, okay, I'm thinking of okay. So there is a boost defenses action. I'm on page um, mm-hmm. 229 of the core book, yeah, so which you were means thinking you can Star Wars. you can raise your boost. You could raise your defenses by one if you want it. Um, and that comes by from suffering train. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That's and that cool. comes from Star Wars specifically having that angling of the deflector shields yeah. um, action, and it's a described as an action that you can take right. angling the deflector sh- deflector shields, and that's why it had the vehicles desi- divided into zones. Which there's nothing wrong if you want to do that in Genesis. After all, yeah. Star Wars and Genesis are sisters. Um, yeah. Sister systems. Uh, but it's not in the rules as written. Right. So um, I think a defense rating of one around the whole vehicle is perfectly fine. Yep. That's yeah. what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. Having multiple zones might be more uh, in line with large ships. You're right. Yeah, that absolutely. Be, uh, especially in space. You, you hear especially a lot about, this, you know, and, and we are talking sensor baffling technology. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. that could be all around the ships. Okay. Defense yep. one. Defense one that works. Oh, armor and that's kind of cool. And that's cool because we we're calling it sensor baffling technology. We could just crank up the crank up the power, reroute power right to the sensor bafflers. Yeah. <laughs> and with a successful check. By two. Yeah. 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 It costs strain though. Costs system strain, which is what we could talk about here. What does it say about the design notes here? All right. Well. Uh... So we're, we're, oh wait a second! No, no, no! Sorry, sure sorry. Cost. We're gonna we'll do we'll do the hull travel. Oh yeah, the cost. Okay, so the cost uh, so of a one. Said armor. Yeah, armor of one is twenty five hundred, and the defense of oh, one that's... is only a hundred. A hundred PTs. That's right, hundred PTs. Okay. <laughs> not not too expensive there, but the armor, of course, costs a lot more. Now in okay. paragraph what four of that section. Uh, it tells you right there, your vehicle begins with hull trauma and system strain thresholds of one. One. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, you have a suggested range for a vehicle of uh, the size of Silhouette 3 of 10 to 20 and yep. 10 to 16 for system strain for our vehicle that we're doing. So right. that gives you an idea of how much extra you should buy, what range to buy into. Um, right. So what are we thinking for these hull trauma and system strain on these? All right. Well, again, taking into account the uh, the, uh, the the function, it's mm-hmm. it's a fighter. We'll yep. see some combat, uh, but it's it's a dogfighter. It's not meant for uh, maybe uh, slogging it out for long right. long hauls. More maneuvers, more dangerous mm-hmm. maneuvers. I was thinking That's, a lower hull and a higher system strain. Yeah, I could uh, definitely represent its uh, so its fragility if it gets hit. Uh, it could be it could be serious, but uh, it can do all kinds of uh, maneuvers or uh, functions. Uh, so we could set it the hull fairly low on its. Uh, and maybe 12 or 13. Oh, wow. That's what I was thinking, too. 
12? Yeah. 12 was the magic number I was thinking of. There we go. And a bit more strain, so to allow the pilot to uh, to push the vehicle a bit more, so maybe almost almost the maximum 16 or 15 even. That's exactly what I was thinking. There we go. I was thinking probably 16 <laughs> on it. Yeah. Versus some yeah. strain. Let's go with 15. 15? 15. Like 15. 15. 15's okay. a nice. Right. So you got 12 so, and 15. So you got a, a 12. A good difference between the two there. Mm-hmm. 15. Okay, so. We have a difference of 11 times for our hull trauma mm-hmm. and 14 times something for our system strain because they both start at one. So what do we have? They're 100 each. 100 each? Oh, okay. So it's 100 so times each. 100 PT. Uh, We're adding 1,100. 1,100 to the, the, yeah. And 1,400. For system strain. Sweet. Yep. All right. There we then. go. Sounds pretty nice. good. The blueprints are shaping up. Nice. Yeah, very nice. So next you're gonna take we're gonna take into account when you're building a vehicle, you take into account the occupants, encumbrance capacity, and consumables. Yep. Um, generally speaking, you kinda gotta use your best judgment. Right. How uh, Tony, large Yes, sir. Sorry. Just to go back to the table, uh, with uh, you know, uh Hull and yeah. uh, strain on the table. It does say it, when you're building very large vehicles, there's an additional modifier. So it's uh, if your threshold is over 50, it'll be a hundred. Oh, I mean a thousand. The cost per uh, per point. Over 50. over 50. Oh, over geez, 50. Yeah. yeah. So once true. once you start going over 50, then the cost goes up. <laughs> yeah, that hull gets expensive. That's a lot oh, yeah, of dirt. And yeah, speaking of that, and speaking of that, I like the, I like these design notes that they throw in here too. They have a design notes talking about the um, talking about the hull and talking about that where vehicles with armor still hard to damage with small arms. A one armor generally makes a vehicle immune to small arms fire. So they have to yeah. they're soaking ten points of personal, right? That's it. Yeah. Um, so. so you have to do twenty points of damage to actually damage the thing. Because it'll well, soak it. the first ten, and you still have to do ten more to even do one point. That's um, so, even, right. so, so the nineteen points doesn't do anything. Right <laughs> now, the, now the two armor makes it resistant to most human portable missiles, and I think it's right in line. I think it's I think our our one armor is right in line with that. Where I could see a portable missile taking us out, underwater yeah. missile, whatever, right? Torpedo, torpedo, man held oh. torpedo. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right so um yeah so uh the, they say here this last paragraph is kind of cool we recommend a trade-off between armor maximum speed and handling armor's heavy vehicles with heavy armor should be slower and harder to control so we didn't that's add a lot of armor on this so we it's still light and nimble that's so. it yep okay cool Pretty all right cool. now occupants and yeah so um it's use your better better judgment when it comes to crew size. Um, larger vehicles have larger crews. Of course, more technology enhanced settings require fewer crew members to handle more responsibilities. You know, think about it. You know, a freighter in Star Wars, you could have one pilot, one co-pilot, and the, the thing works just fine. Whereas a freighter on the sailing the seven seas uh, during Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, you needed 30, 30 men on deck, you know, <laughs> so um, your technology level is going to uh, play a part in that. 
Um, and, uh, th and that's because a lot of the stuff can be automated with machines and computers and artificial intelligence and so on and so forth. Um, look to the sample vehicles. What it's gonna st we're going to start getting a lot of that with um, these rules. Uh, they've done a ton of example vehicles, and they, even with the weapons, it's it, um, it goes into that, but um, that said, vehicles require a pilot at a minimum. So minimum one always um, to control the vehicle's movement. Um, weapons usually require separate gunners for operation. Um, so how many co-pilots, sensor operators, engineers, and other crew your vehicle has is entirely up to you. Um, so uh, and then consumables. Our fuel, fresh food, fresh water, uh, even air for spacecraft mm -hmm. and submarines. Um, consumables are tracked very loosely. Consumables line in a vehicle profile indicates roughly how long it can operate before it needs to refuel or the occupants need to find food or it needs to be re resupplied with air in the case of our submersible. Mm -hmm. Um, your vehicle starts uh, out with a single crew member and no passengers, no encumbrance capacity, and six hours of consumables. And then you look at the chart uh, and purchase accordingly from there. Um, so in this case, looking at our submersible, uh, do we want it to be a single man snub fighter? Or do we want a um, kind of yeah. like a you know Top Gun situation where you got your your Rio yeah. in the back, your your, your yep. gunner, um, hmm. goose? Yeah, yeah. Maverick and Goose. Do I want do I want Stefan to goose me? Is that what you're asking me? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you, there are did that um, once. No more. <laughs> well, okay. So if we're thinking of so if we're thinking about underwater vehicles, and we think of space vehicles, just kind of thinking about like fighters and such. You do have you have your Wizzos. You know the F-18s. I think they have they have a Wizzo and a pilot. Um, you think of the ships at that at the start of what was it episode three in Star Wars? They're just that's single pilot. Those could easily be. Our underwater, the profile of our underwater submers, our submersible, our pseudo, right? Mm -hmm. But you also have the bongos at the beginning of episode one, which yes. is a, a, a two-man submersible, uh, and it's huh? rather agile. Yeah. And I actually kind of like that, to be honest with you. A side-by-side yeah. two-man submersible. Yeah. Manta ray-like profile kind of thing. Ooh. Yeah, a manta ray kind of profile of this thing that's kind of neat i'm liking yeah. it i'm liking okay. it maybe a two okay. occupant one so then so then we do a two crew basically okay. pilot and co-pilot yeah put that in. okay yeah i'll make a note pilot okay so in that case uh we look at the uh, number of crew which it just goes over occupants okay mm -hmm. so that's um and two to four is a base price of 100 that's there we go okay okay there we go. Okay. Plus 100 pull tabs. Encumbrance. So it's yeah. uh, your vehicle starts with no encumbrance, meaning it doesn't have any storage space. Um, 
And I honestly think as a fighter, generally you're not going to have any storage space. No, nope, um, you're going to put your bullets somewhere or missiles or something in that storage space. <laughs> That's about it. And then your consumables will be in that storage space too, would take up some of that. So that's kind of built in there. Um, I don't know. I'm the, well, let's look at the fighter. If we look at the, um, we look at the superiority fighter. So they have an encumbrance of five for like a F-18, you know, a jet fighter equivalent where you could put something in there. Yeah, which is equivalent to almost like a backpack. A backpack gives you about four or five points of encumbrance. Does it? Okay. Yeah. On a so, personal scale, anyway. What if we did just three? Yeah. Okay. That Not out. a lot of room in here, because um, no. you're, you're going to need the more compact. consumables. The consumables are going to be your big thing in this, because you're going to want to have yeah. heck, a steady yeah. air supply. That works. Oh, yeah. The musical group is great. is awesome. <laughs> yeah, <it is. laughs> no yeah, ale supply. Ale <laughs> supply. Ale supply. Right. That's right. <laughs> Bunch of dwarves. <laughs> well, that's what lumberjacks drink. Ale. So, that's right. The two two to four capacity is another ten. Ten uh, in our cost. Got it. Yep. Which now, basically, at, I'm pretty sure we're filling that up with pull tabs anyway. Yeah. Three encumbrance worth of pull tabs. So when we get back to time, time, yeah, just ten more. That's not too bad. <laughs> yep. A six, a six pack in there. <laughs> so our consumables, we're thinking. So that's the, so consumables is what? That's the amount of time it would take. We would need to refuel, food up, yeah. ale. You know, air supply up. Right. Yeah. yeah or sorry, air, ale air fuel and... and air supply up. <laughs> Cause I'm a lumberjack. Fuck! I need I need ale I need ale supply. So. <laughs> well, that's it. But it's a two days. It's it's a fighter. Yeah, it, it's not you know to be out uh, on missions for 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 weeks. So yeah, two days would be more than enough. Like a day per person. Well, we're thinking. Okay, so well, does that let's 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 think about this though, because um, what we're building this for is for Tales of the Epsilon Eclipse, and in that setting we have. A couple already built into our lore, two water worlds right. that are entire worlds of water. And if your submersible fighters can only go out for a few days away from a um, right. city or a larger uh, submersible, is that what we want? So we're going to have to think of. Um, if if they're on, say, what, like a submarine aircraft carrier, submersible mm -hmm. aircraft carrier equivalent, if we want, so what would the range be? Do we, If we want them to go be able to travel out two days, we're going to need to give them two days back. So we need at least four days. Right? That's what so I was. What, what range? So yeah. four days? Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think this consumables count for your occupants. So if we have two crew the four days for two crew yeah right you don't have to multiply that out right I correct think so yeah yeah i think it's just a it's generic for the crew for the full crew complement full crew right. complement okay so okay so consumables so we have six hours how long is our our so six hours to start with and if we go with four days we're going to go with three days 
plus <laughs> it doesn't hours. it's, di- it's doesn't divided really here it doesn't it's divided by um if you look at the chart it's oh, yeah, one to six at- days of consumables or one to three weeks or oh, one to five months we're only talking we're only talking 10 pt Jeez. right all right so sounds good and um so the consumables, it says, uh, doesn't give us uh, multiplier times crew. So I'm guessing that's that's um, that's just a flat rate the consumables for the uh, occupants of the vehicle. Yeah, so, that's what it feels like. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm even looking at the uh, both the PDFs there, and even on uh, Christopher's. Uh, book he doesn't mention uh, like multiplying it times number of days or anything like that it's just that's the cost one to six days for it okay 10 cool cool all right all right holmes yeah buddy next oh we have our weapons so so the weapons here um they basically say you're best duplicating weapons from a similar vehicle later on in this chapter or in the core book um though you can create custom weapons um using the item creation rules on page 197 in the core book um but you have to remember those rules are for planetary scale or for personal scale items these are planetary scale so all of those prices you're going to multiply by 10 as well they're 10 times as powerful so you're going to multiply those costs by 10. um now if you want to mount a personal scale weapon on your vehicle here make a note of it that it is a personal scale quality and then obviously it's the same prices in the custom um the the create rules create an item rules section there you don't have to multiply by 10. um and it's and that'll denote that it's not doing the planetary scale damage. It's personal scale. Um, so uh, then it says here that fighter planes normally have, like, you know, mounted machine guns. Um, driver typically would control the weapons in that case. Larger vehicle like a tank, right? You would have a, you'd have your driver, that, but then you would have a separate gunner, you know, for the turret gunner. Um, and, of course, on a tank, I mean, you would have the, you would have the, the depending on how big the tank is the gun is um it could be mm-hmm. over the horizon um the planet the you know an extreme extreme range tactical extreme range. range tactical range tactical range right or it could be close in but you can also have that 50 cal personal scale weapon right outside of the hatch right as you pop up um yeah so uh and then if you have your really large warships and battle zeppelins or whatever um you'll have different gunners on each one of those um on each one of those guns and of course there are the the um in the core rule books the actions that you can take like the barrage action and those kinds of things we'll go into details as to how you would yeah. roll for multiple weapons you know that's it and and christopher's uh companion there goes a little bit more detail he says like uh, as a group as a great starting point it's not maybe a hard fast rule according to the core books but he says any vehicle of silhouette three or smaller cannot have more weapons systems than its silhouette just as a guideline and then uh, any vehicle though of silhouette six or larger cannot have more weapon batteries and he, he talks about weapon batteries which is kind of cool too oh you yeah, yeah buy, okay. 
you can sort of buy weapons like in bulk. This is you know, the turbo lasers or you know, quad lasers. You have 10 of them. That's a battery. That's one weapon system because they usually fire as a battery. So that sounds, like a, use that, that sounds like a pretty reasonable um, yeah, guideline. guideline. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So, so having a silhouette of three for a vehicle, which would limit it maybe to maximum uh, three weapon systems. So for our vehicle, what were we? What are we thinking? Well, I did a little bit of research. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll have you know because we want this to be, kind of, you know, it's kind of a space fantasy setting, right? Science mm-hmm. fantasy um, mm-hmm. setting. Um, lasers. Oh yeah. Now, red lasers don't work well in underwater. Water. Okay then. You need a blue green laser. Uh-huh. really is, yes look at listen to you being all smart <laughs> so uh because uh because the, you're uh, a dork tony because because the water tends to uh, absorb red light uh whereas yeah. with blue green yeah. it doesn't absorb it and it travels uh further it doesn't dissipate uh so awesome uh one system that i once played called blue green lasers Blazers. So I liked that idea that we would just, um, and and I take took the example of the air superiority or aerospace superiority fighter from the um, core rulebook, and it has a weapon called a rotary cannon. Mm. Um, and this rotary cannon um, would use, and it says in its descriptive text, it would use futuristic sounding words like beam or pulse or plasma blah, or blah, blazer <laughs> or in this case we're going to call it a blazer cannon a blazer cannon fucking nice. yep that sounds good blazer cannon and i like their example here they've got it's got forward firing arc mm-hmm. um a damage of 2 yep critical of 5 Theirs has auto fire, but what I was thinking, because we kind of went with that manta ray silhouette, linked one. We we have it linked one. There you I go. See, one I'm finishing on here. either wingtip. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> finishing Why your not? thought there, Tony. I saw where you're going there. So they could be twin blazer cannons. <gasps> yeah. Why don't we call that twin blazer cannons? Yeah, baby. Twin blaze, and I do I use a capital Z? B L A Z E R. If you want. <laughs> Sweet. Twin blazer cannons. Nice. Okay. And I mean, what submersible would not be? What would what submersible would be worth its weight in salt water without a torpedo? Fucking well, hey, it. dude. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and you know what? You could totally freaking use the air-to-air missiles. Or? Silhouette for it, right? Or? Or anti-ship missile? Or? Or? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, taking a cue from page 69 of uh, the Expanded Player's Guide from the submarine. Stefan? Mm. What? Did not, why didn't you say something? He just said I was... page 69. And you didn't yeah. say anything. I know. What the fuck is the matter with you? You, you know, you. 
I don't have to. You did already. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we look at the um, forward. Yeah, baby. Let's go to page 69. <laughs> forward <laughs> torpedo tube launcher. There we go. Um, one. It, it's got a one right damage of nine, crit one, range is extreme, breach two, guided four. But those are large ones. I yeah. think we should scale it down a wee bit. Okay, yeah. so we definitely yeah. so we want that. Okay. So we'll have a, a torpedo launcher. Okay. Hello. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, we're here. Yeah, we're here. Oh, you were here. I'm just, sorry. I was just reading it. Sorry, there's stuff. <laughs> okay. Okay. Dead of, air. Yeah. Dead air. It's great for a podcast. Isn't it? It's <laughs> so the torpedo. I, I liked your idea of the air-to-air missile being kind of also what we look at. But I say we compromise between the two of them. Use like kind of the damage as kind of a thing? Okay. Damage of the air-to-air missile. Right. Okay. But I like the critical rating of the torpedo because when you're hit by a torpedo underwater, it's generally (laughs) bad news. Well, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely don't want to get hit. Explosion's yeah. bad, <laughs> right? We don't want it to have breach two because, I mean, if you're hit with your own torpedo, you're going to blow up. <laughs> so, yep. Um, breach one. Well, okay. So let's think about what are we fighting against. We're going to be fighting against other fighters. Are we other fighters? Are we going to be firing these torpedo? How many torpedoes do we have? We just have the one. Well, no, we're going to go with limited them? ammo for sure. Right. Limited ammo um, one but or two. Will well, we be able to fire these at other fighters in, during a dogfight? Or are these limited ammo two? Okay. Now, are these used? Now, will we be using these? Now, hang on. I'm kind of getting to my point here eventually. Um, <laughs> Will we be using these against other fighters or other dog fighters or are they going to be against ships if it's going to be against other yes. like larger both <laughs> both that's okay. why i say well, giving them breach one but yeah definitely bre- we definitely want to keep the breach yeah if they were oh, yeah. well okay. we could as an idea we can have if we're following the guideline let's say of three weapon systems this could be a light torpedo launcher maybe against smaller targets and then have Maybe just another heavy torpedo that ah, would be against uh, but, larger targets. But yeah. just throwing that out. That, yeah, that's a good. That's a good thought. I had, you know, I had thought of that too. But then I also thought about our system, and right. one of the other things that you're fighting a lot of in Tales of the Epsilon Eclipse is creatures. Mm. And yeah. so for our third weapon system, having a unique kind of uh, anti-personnel weapon instead. Ah, uh, gotcha. You know what? We're talking, okay, you know what the, You know what popped in my head when you said that? A fucking net. Electronet! Ah, oh, Electronet! Oh, listen to you! <laughs> Electronet! <laughs> Electronet for the win, maybe? Yeah. We've got we've got manta ray subs firing Electronets out of his freaking no. heads. <laughs> is this going to be, is this, I'm thinking we're going to have to have this a firing arc aft. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. 
or is it, or do they call it rear? They say aft, forward. Aft. It's aft. Okay. Aft. Are you daft? It's aft. Fire arc. Aft. It's, it's port, starboard, aft, and four. Gunnery. We'll use gunnery for it, of course, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, back to the torpedo. Um, yes. Yeah, let's finish because, that up. Because the torpedo has a rate, uh, a guided quality. Yeah. Uh, much like the um, air-to-air missile has a guided. And I, the torpedo has guided four, whereas the air-to-air missile has guided three. And I think I like the lower rating for ours. The three? Yeah. Not as men, not as much um, electronics inside of it. Because it's smaller, mm-hmm. right? To keep it right. guided. Okay. Okay. Slow firing one seems reasonable to me, too. Oh, yeah. I like that, definitely. It's a torpedo. Mm. Yo. Yeah. Damage five feels good? Yeah. Okay. So which one? That's going to be nasty. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you hit right, another cool. uh you hit another pseudo with it. You yeah. you're playing missile tag, but that's pretty much. You know, eh, yeah, pretty much. But you know, that's what these things are made to take out other pseudos, right? Right. <laughs> and how much limited ammo did we say? Two. Just two? Right. That's what I thought. It's a single torpedo launcher with two in it. Right. Or do we yep. want it to have three? Half the complement of what the um, airspace aerospace superiority got. Yeah, could be. Yeah, three sounds a nice number. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that could work. That could work. Yeah, we could do that. Limit ammo three. Sweet. Yep. That's where. I, that's why we only have. That's why we only have uh, encumbrance of three, folks. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where our torpedoes are. <laughs> They're taking up a lot of space. That's right. <laughs> That and the spare air for six days yeah. worth of air. Yeah. Or four days or whatever. Four days say. worth of air. That's right. It's okay. It's two people. Air. That's a lot of air. <laughs> Especially if Stefan's, I mean, if a match is in there with it. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, the Electronet. <laughs> We've got that rear facing. We've got yep. it using the gunnery skill. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want it to. to, to to have the stun quality. Yeah. I think yeah, so. It's electro, electro, uh, yeah, electricity uh, based. Yeah. I think so. Base damage of four? Yeah, feels, feels yeah, right. Yeah, four, four personal. Yeah. Now, because it's stun damage, is it crit- can we put a critical rating on it or no? Can. We probably don't have you- one. Usually, yeah, stun done. weapons usually have very high critical, like five. Yeah, five or six. Yeah. Well, let's see. Well, our twin blazer cannons have a crit rating of five. I don't know. We're talking fucking lasers, man. Do we want to reduce that crit rating down to like a four? Sure. Okay. Do that. And we'll put this at a crit five, maybe. Or do we even want to go as high as a six? Five. If we're gonna go with a six, I would crank the damage up to five. Yeah, we do that. What do you guys want to do? Yeah, Six do that. crit and five personal scale damage sounds a reasonable number. Yeah. Okay. With the stun and the ensnare qualities. Stun. Okay. And the ensnare would be what? Ensnare two? Now, is that... So the ensnare quality, does that 
give you the difficulty to break out, or is that the number of rounds you're ensnared? I can't. I keep forgetting. I, I, I believe it's the number of rounds that it, uh, the condition uh, okay. lasts and stun. Now, is this damage soakable? So stun damage, that's soakable, right? Stun damage um, is soakable. Yeah, okay. but stun. Now the stun, stun. weapon quality. Mm-hmm. So we're we're looking at um, remembering our own damn rules that we've used about a hundred times here. Yeah, yeah, it's not like we run a podcast or anything, right? No, no. <laughs> exactly. There's so many okay. rules, so people let, will understand. Let me oh. look it up for you, Chris. Oh, so the stun fine. active quality. Uh, can deal strain directly to the target. That's the yeah. one where it has a rating, stun rating. Yeah, yeah it um, ignores we're just doing stun damage. It, it ignores soak. Yeah. Now, now you can we, have both. Okay, so we wanted so you know what? So let's do. So we'll have stun damage as a quality, right? Yeah, which means but that five points is do we, soakable. Do we, do we want like a stun three on it, so that if you do get those two advantage, you mm-hmm. can do three strain to the target, whether it's an animal, whether it's another vehicle too, you can s- throw an electro net on another friggin' pseudo if you want. Right. Right. Custom damage. Yeah. I, there's no ro- There's nothing that says you can't have both. So the weapon itself causes mm-hmm. some stun damage. And if you, and if you can, don't have be reduced by soak. Yeah. And, and if you don't done, mm-hmm. which, uh, which bypasses soak. But you need but you need advantage to activate that stun yeah. three quality. Exactly. You also need advantage so, to activate and snare. Snare. Yeah. So that right. so that so that could be an interesting um, dilemma put on the mm. care put on a player if you um, yeah. don't have enough if you have enough for one but not both what do you do right I mean that could be that could make for some fun play. For That's sure. it. So what do we think? I like it. I like it. Stun stun three and snare three. Yeah. And okay. So then in the ensnare quality. It's number of gives rounds the they're mobilized. Number of rounds yeah. equal to, okay. Now they can perform a hard athletics check to break free from the effect, but it is taking their action to do it or That's it. piloting check or whatever yeah. the hell probably with All this, right? right? Yeah. Whatever okay. would be appropriate, cool. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and ensnare three. Sweet. Sounds good. Okay, so I'm going to actually separate and put, co- we're going to have to build up costs for each one of these damn things. Mm-hmm. Right. So do we can do that off air. We can do that off air. That's true. <clears throat> let's let's move on to the next section, which is the price and rarity of the craft, um, which we won't have the final calculation for ours. But, but I can give you. Do you want to go I, into that? Yeah. Recalculate what we have so far, of course. Well, do you want to take a little break to calculate and then come back? Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So we took a little pause and calculated the weapon systems for our uh, neat little submarine. Um, Pseudo. Pseudo. Pseudo sub. And so two twin blazer cannons, a torpedo launcher, and an electro-net launcher. And we ended up with a cost of what would you say? We rounded up to the nearest, let's say, whole number, like fifty thousand pull tabs, mm-hmm. something like that. <laughs> something like that. Uh, so with the cost, of course, comes uh, rarity, like a lot of equipment, which can be a bit difficult to to gauge. They don't. 
there's not a specific system uh, you know, to calculate that. It's a lot of it is common sense. Um, for example, uh, usually uh, a rarity of two is something that uh, would be fairly easy to find. An average, you know, automobile, but this is of course uh, a little bit special. A submersible that's uh, a fighter, uh, a bit like a, mi- a military, of course, kind of equipment with all the weapons on it. True. You could easily, I think, go at least uh, maybe a five or six. I agree, six. I would, I would think so, yeah. You know, uh, looking at Christopher's uh, book, he has a few little uh, examples here, like a, a Sulet 8 warship, for example, might be a rarity of eight or nine, while a, an APC could have uh, as low as five. So I think we're good with six being a very specific okay. vehicle. Sounds good does, to me. Does it, Does Christopher have anything in there um, about rarity affecting the cost? No, I was looking cost. at that to see. Uh, but no, he doesn't mention it. Uh, only that, of course, uh, that it it, it it reflects how rare uh, the weapon are, is and maybe an idea of if it's a restricted vehicle, a bit like a restricted weapon. Uh, you you could have uh, have that related to uh, the, the rarity. Something uh, any kind of military equipment could have, even though it's rarity six, could be uh, restricted. So only people with pers- permits or a very special uh, uh, status, you know, being a government, could requisition this or purchase one. Or right, a large and that's probably or why. A large and that's corporation. With, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's probably why the aerospace superiority fighter is a hundred million. <laughs> yeah. And rarity yeah. nine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And ours is a rarity six with fifty K. Fifty thousand oh, okay. pull tabs, by the way. Pull yeah. tabs are sometimes rare. sometimes yeah, to reflect you know, we all know that like a like fighter jets cost millions and millions of dollars uh, just to purchase itself. I don't think it'd be out of the ordinary, out of the question to let's say take your rarity and multiply the the costs to get let's say, an actual final cost for uh, for such a vehicle, a restricted vehicle. If someone were to try to purchase it outright, right? Well, you know what? So if we so let's just let's just try this. If we take the rarity of six and multiply it by your vehicle, that's three hundred thousand. That was, that was that's actually sense. almost that's almost reasonable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Still oh, pretty, pretty seat. I don't know, though. Because it's a military-grade vehicle. Yeah. Because it's a military-grade vehicle. I think we should make it restricted, too. Yeah. And that's what, with the R in the brackets? Yeah. Just yeah. makes it so that it's hard to get without sp- uh, specific um, contacts. Yeah. Right. And well, because exactly. it is a military vehicle, you always want to add a zero, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I, I worked on both sides of that. I was I worked for defense contractor and for MITRE, the uh, you know, a honest broker. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because as soon as you put restricted, instead of just trying to buy it with negotiation, let's say, or diplomacy or negotiations, it's then you need streetwise instead, because not exactly. everyone will want to, to buy it. So different skill set to try and uh, find a buyer or a seller. <laughs> exactly. Or would that be C wise? Uh, oh, dockwise. 
<laughs> Doc wise, there you go. <laughs> so the last thing we look into is special rules. When creating a vehicle, generally you rely on the mechanics of their basic profile to differentiate them from other vehicles. However, occasionally give vehicles unique rules, so like max and such. Uh, it gives them an interesting flavor. You should only give a few rare vehicles special rules. Uh, if you want to do this, we're providing uh, we provided a few examples of some special rules inside the um, the, the examples in the um, EPG here. Uh, special rules should affect the vehicle's price, which that would ex this one I was thinking about giving it um, was basically the would affect our rounding why we rounded up from forty five thousand to fifty. Um, because it's um, it's going to increase the overall vehicle price by 10% um, when you uh, give a special rule. And in this case, um, what I liked the idea of is that um, this this vehicle is used underwater. Mm -hmm. uh, it's used in an environment that does not receive a lot of light. So... I would put in here for special rule, due to um, sophisticated sonar equipment on board this fighter, reduce the penalties from darkness by one setback die. Right. Normally, yeah. when you're in low light, it's one setback die. When you're in complete darkness, it's two. So hmm. let's call this enhanced sonar. Enhanced sonar, and it will reduce the penalties from darkness. Right. And concealment. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you, know, you, you need something like that. You'll, you'll be more often not in situations of low light at the very least. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas you'll still be affected by extreme zero light situations. Mm-hmm. Um, mm -hmm. You won't suffer a negative. And that's a nice little special rule, and it covers like the 5,000 rounding that we did up to yeah. 50K. That works yeah. for me. Well, that's it. Because they do give a few examples in the EPG of special rules as a guideline. Yep. And uh, do you want to go over those, uh, Tony? Or? Yep, I was going to. Okay, um, go ahead. So the ones that they listed here uh, in their examples of vulnerable so a vehicle particularly vulnerable to incoming fire, um, your glass cannon type vehicle. Uh, mm -hmm. All successful combat checks targeting the vehicle get a two additional advantage uh, added to the results. Mm -hmm. um, buckets. <laughs> yeah. resi so like a the, the good example of that would be like um, a hot air balloon. Yeah. There you go. Um, it's very fragile. A dirigible. You know? Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah definitely. Uh, resilient vehicles. So a resilient vehicle is particularly durable, perhaps due to the materials it is made of, um, or because it's redundant systems and solid design. Uh, this vehicle suffers a critical hit while you're operating it. You may spend a story point to roll a second one and choose the result that you like. I could see you putting a resilient on like a tank, you know, um, something like that. Yeah, or a mech. Or a mech. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. All terrain, this vehicle particularly adept at na uh, navigating difficult terrain, so like a hovercraft, mm -hmm. um, driving and piloting, operating, check. Um, to direct the vehicle, your character may remove two setback dice uh, 
uh, to the check due to terrain. Cool. And last but not least is massive. Mm-hmm. This vehicle is huge and unlikely to be destroyed on a single lucky hit. When making an attack targeting this vehicle, the critical rating of any weapon used counts as two higher. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. Note this rule is specifically designed to make the very largest vehicles less likely to be destroyed by well-placed critical hits. Yeah. So thinking silhouette seven or larger. That's it. Yep. And uh, just to follow up on the special rules, uh, Christopher gives a few other uh, special rule examples in addition yes. to those. Oh, cool. Bombing, bomb, yeah, bombing run, which is kind of cool like for your fighter bombers, uh, especially the big bombers, like the big flying fortresses kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It allows the gunner to pick a point on the ground beneath uh, the vehicle, and he spends an action to perform a hard gunnery check. And if successful, he deals damage in the area. He goes through the whole details cool. uh, uh, to deal a lots of damage in that area, uh, plus additional damage per, uh, per success and then advantage. Boy, that'd be in- nice when the Tannhauser book comes out, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, no, um, yep, Edge yep. Studios. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> he also adds uh, a ram. Like uh, the, the part of the ship is actually made reinforced. Yep. to deliberately collide with a vehicle. So it suffers less damage, but the target suffers more damage because of it. Yep. Uh, one that I like is called Spiky Bits. <laughs> yeah, that's actually ve- it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's, yeah. So when this vehicle is involved in a collision, other vehicle, the all other vehicles and characters involved in the collision add 30 to the result of any critical hit or critical injury they suffer. <laughs> And then he goes with some others that are maybe more setting specific or vehicle specific, like star drive equipment, which might reflect simply more of a narrative, like you know, uh, effect. Uh, cloaking device once per round as a maneuver the pilot may engage or disengage the device. Uh, the vehicle cannot be detected by any means, but may not use any weapons. Uh, yes. A mech could be bipedal. Which means it doesn't need uh, it ignores speed requirements by making a re- reposition maneuver. Oh, that's cool. And a, and a few others reinforced shields, heavy shielding. So he goes over a bit uh, what that means. Cool. So it's worth it to to look at to get a bit more ideas. He's probably played quite a few uh, games with vehicles and fleshed some of this out. Sweet. Well, some of them it came like... from here in the sample vehicles um, right, yes. and were uh, just put in there as examples for him. But um, speaking of the example sample vehicles, do we want to go through and kind of pick out some of our favorites? And let's. Um, I'd like I to... did want to add Quit. one last caveat to vehicle creation. Now this is you know this is a tool used by GMs. This vehicle creation rule is a tool used by GMs to um, make a vehicle for your setting. If you want to have your players do an A-team style vehicle building montage, um, the crafting rules from Star Wars really come in handy. Um, and those were available in the Age of Rebellion book, Fully Operational, um, Vehicle and Starship Crafting. And they give you basically, it starts with a template, 
and then you make rolls and you can add things to the vehicle. Um, if you wanted to do something like that where your characters were doing an A-team style vehicle building montage, mm-hmm. um, this is a great way to do it with this system um, in the Star Wars stuff. If, you, if, you, if you've got the Star Wars books, look into it. It can be easily ported over into Genesis. Um, cool. Just, just a thought. So that's great, man. That's a great idea. Oh, it's good. Okay. Now sample vehicles. Uh, we've kind of got it divided into three categories and we each are going to kind of go over our favorites. And I think due to time, I'm going to limit myself to one. Yeah, me too. Okay. Okay, So did you cut out Stefan or no, no, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Um, but Tony, kick so, it up, bud. So yeah, kicking it off, uh, we'll start with the ground vehicles, and I personally, you know, while I like the chariot, because what I wanted, you know, wanted to list one of the vehicles that uses a different control skill, um, has those unique control skills. So I brought up the chariot. Chariots are two-wheeled vehicles drawn by two or four horses. Uh, in ancient cultures as transportation for nobility or warfare or even racing your Roman chariot races. Um, they, um, the crew is one driver. Uh, passenger capacity usually can fit one passenger. Consumables, none, blah, 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 all that. Cost of 650 Nice. Um, it's got a silhouette to max speed to minus one handling, three hull threshold, two system strain threshold, and it uses riding as its control skill. Because of horses. Because you're <laughs> driving horses. That's or, right. Or wolves. Or or hearts. Um, or, or elk. Or if you're underwater, seahorses. Seahorses. <laughs> right? Right, or, right. Or, or battle snails. And you could call that a chudo. A chariot. <laughs> underwater. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, so I liked. I just why why I brought that one up. How about you, Holmes? Well, we're gonna go with one that I personally have used, the wasteland buggy. <laughs> In the wastelands of some post-apocalyptic settings, gangs of marauders have salvaged vehicles into rickety engines of destruction. Yes, I use that in the salvage campaign as well. Well, you can find that on Drive to RPG. Great freaking setting, by the way. Um, although these could take nearly any form, we've included an example built from chassis of a pre-apocalyptic auto, pre-apocalypse automobile and heavily modified with weapons and a supercharged engine. So this has a silhouette of two, max speed of four, handling of one. It has a defensive one, and we'll go into why there's a defensive one. Um, hull of nine strain threshold of nine it does use driving duh it's freaking doom buggy um you have a driver and a gunner so you could put that gunner on top buddy so you know think mad max those fuckers are turning over Mm -hmm. that gunner's gonna get smoked man (laughs) this thing rolls yeah passenger capacity of two so if you want a couple guys who need to be witnessed ah, as they're jumping on the you know on the you know the wasteland um what do you call it? the wasteland um hauler um, the war rig the war rig yeah. that's right 
passenger <laughs> oh, consumables of two days, encumbrance capacity of fifteen, price and rarity of twelve thousand one hundred, and a rarity of eight. The weapons. It's got a scrap shooter cannon <laughs> on it that just shoots shit out of it. You know, just pieces of scrap, man. Fire a uh, forward arc left or right. So it's may- maybe it's turreted mounted almost. Uses mm-hmm. gunnery, damage one, crit four, range medium. It's inaccurate, obviously, but it's vicious, man. It's vicious. <laughs> Tear you up. There's a grill mounted light machine gun that your driver could potentially use. It just, I could see that. Um, fire arc all. Oh, wow. Okay. Gunnery. Um, skill, obviously. Um, damage 10. Um, critical 3. Range long. Auto fire. Inaccurate. And yes, the reason why it is damage 10, it is a personal scale weapon. So you guys were probably thinking, damage 10? What the fuck? Yeah, it's personal scale. So it's going to be doing 10 damage to folks. It's only going to be doing 1 damage to another buggy. Now, it's vulnerable. <laughs> it's going to add, anybody targeting this thing adds two advantage to the results, okay? However, this kind of explains maybe that defensive one, it has spiky bits <laughs> <laughs> on it. Um, and Stefan already explained what that was, so. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. I've used it. It's uh, pretty freaking awesome. Very thematic. And everybody's seen Mad Max or maybe a picture of it oh, yeah. and you, you, it, it, you can immerse in it yeah wasteland doom buggy boom that's what you think of especially when you say spiky bits yes <laughs> all right Stefan, what you got bud uh well i like the locomotive sometimes you want to put your players on the train track and follow the storyline <laughs> so you what better way than to put them on the train <laughs> literally on the rails Choo-choo! <laughs> well, you've got a locomotive so <laughs> It is a land vehicle. Uh, it presents, like you said, a classic steam engine. It could be a modern diesel or electric or maglev or even a futuristic design. So. Hello? Now he cut out, I think. <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of weight. Okay. Go back there for a second, Stephen, because you cut yep. out. Right after yeah. you said, uh, what did you say after futuristic design? Start from there. All right. All right. All right, so uh, even if it was a futuristic design, it uh, it follows those tracks uh, to its destination, back and forth, uh, whether it's passengers or cargo. So it has pretty much the same silhouettes, uh, same stats. Silhouette three in general, max speed of three. Although you could have some you know, some of those high speed trains like they have in Europe uh, could have up to five. Handling minus three. Uh, it, they don't stop on a dive. They, they don't turn or anything like that, obviously, but they don't stop or start very fast. And uh, they're civilian vehicles, so no armor. Uh, well, armor one, considered armor, there's so much metal on it that uh, by default uh, give it armor, but no defense. You're not made to deflect uh, any shots. Pretty tough at uh, 12. Uh, Hull, uh, hull threshold, system strain 12 as well. Uh, control skill is operating because you need some intelligence to, to gauge uh, how to control it. And it'll have one conductor, an engineer, and uh, usually two spotters. Usually the locomotive itself has 
no passengers, consumables one day, encumbrance capacity to give it 20, no weapons, obviously. And then they just speak briefly about the uh, the train cars. You know, they usually haul a number of train cars. Each car has about the same hull trauma, silhouette, etc., armor as the locomotive, but must be targeted individually. So, and then you go a little bit over the details. Passenger train cars can carry maybe up to 100 people. Cargo train cars will have an encumbrance of 200 each, and they cost about 5,000 each. So Full you tabs. can use this. Yeah, pull tabs. <laughs> yeah. And you can, of course, find these kinds of vehicles in the steampunk, weird war, modern day, science fiction, space opera, monster horror, post-apocalyptic, etc. And a combination of everything. So steampunk, post-apocalyptic. Coolio. Nice. There you go. So awesome. choo-choo, get on the train and follow my storyline. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, water vehicles. So yes. looking yes. at water vehicles, <laughs> and of course, yeah, I brought up the um, the, the submarine mm-hmm. because of, uh, well, you know, foot, submersible. Foot <laughs> yeah, uh, because I wanted to steal it from Stefan. It's really it. I, I didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. but Not I, that it, joke I, again. <laughs> I, exactly. I, I didn't think I would be. I thought I'd had him off at the pass, but I never did. Uh, he beat me to it. So, um, yeah, submarines, you know. That's what he said. From their concealed position underwater, submarines can launch surprise attacks, gather intel, or infiltrate spe- infiltrate special force units. Um, so the one they have listed here is like a large um, submarine. This is like a guided missile submarine. Uh-huh. Um, almost. It's So in this one... Um, I, I guess this is a military submarine from the 1950s, more than anything. Uh, but anyhow, this uh, Silhouette 5, so this is huge. Uh, max speed of 2, so it's it's lumbering. Handling a minus 2. Armor of 3. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's solid. Um, mm-hmm. Which is why the torpedoes that it uses have breach 2. <laughs> um, hull threshold of 60. Uh, strain threshold of 40. Operating skill is operating. Control skill, I mean. Complement a, a 120 crew. Damn. 10 passengers. Stefan, <laughs> you didn't want what? to make a comment on that? The 120 no. crew? Members? No, no. That's all, okay. I did already, so. <laughs> people, can just back, people can just back up to, uh, to the beginning <laughs> of the episode. Uh, consumables for three months. Encumbrance mm-hmm. value is 60. Cost of three hundred thousand. Again, this is an old nineteen fifties submarine with just torpedo tubes, which if we've already talked about what they do. Um, when making an attack with the torpedo, you can spend an action to determine the dice pool, but not make the check. But do not make the check. Then at the end of the round, make the combat check as an out of turn incidental. Uh, if the target is no longer in range or could not be hit by the attack. For some reason, the check fails. So that's uh, that's what it takes into account the the slow old 1950s style torpedo with a propeller yeah. uh, well, moving through the water. Well, I, I actually uh, the way the, I, I reread the, uh, the the paragraph a little bit, uh, it the submarine stats represents something fairly modern. 
but he said, they say if you want a military submarine from before 1950s, then they oh. say like remove the guided from the torpedoes, uh, reduce hull ah. trauma, uh, reduce the crew a bit because it's a little older, not as uh, advanced. Well, this is definitely not a modern submarine because it doesn't have no. nukes. No, exactly. Right. It's it's, <laughs> it's after 1950s, but not. Let's say, I don't know. Not, I'd say nuclear weapons, kind of a, a kind of a campaign killing weapon. <laughs> yeah. in my opinion. At well, that no, point, just, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's a campaign moving weapon. It moves you <laughs> into post-apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost a campaign terraforming <laughs> weapon, right? <laughs> Uh, like, all right, my players are having too much fun. They're not on my rails. Nuke it. <laughs> uh, nice, nice. All right, well, that's the submarine. Who wants to go next? Chris, go ahead. Okay, well, I'm going to go back a little bit before the 1950s, hmm. hundreds hmm. of years before that, when the infamously employed by Norse Raiders, the longship, is an iconic 15 to 30 meter long thin wooden ship with a single square sail. Offense is limited to the bows, slings, and spears of the warriors aboard. The reason why I picked this is because I've been knee-deep in Valheim, the survival, the Viking survival game that you can get on Steam for 20 bucks. Um, <laughs> fucking awesome game, and I made a goddamn carve. Shut up, junkie. We're not playing your game. A small little longship. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Silhouette 3 like this is. Uh, the max speed is 2. Handling of minus 1. No defense or armor on the thing. Made out of fucking wood. Um, mm -hmm. The hull threshold is 18. Hardwood. <laughs> Vulnerable to hard to, to fire. <laughs> yes, hardwood. Come on, come on, Stephen. I put that out there for you. <laughs> yes. It's like a softball coming your way, baby. <laughs> all right, all right. Yes, yes, hardwood. <laughs> so with powerful straight That's the I am making it too easy. Oh, well. Yeah. Straight threshold is 16. Um, the control skill is operating. Um, Complement of 40 crew. Passenger of 10. Consumables of one day. Now, that's confusing to me because these Vikings crossed. Well, maybe that's why they have 10 passengers. <laughs> to fucking eat them, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> no. Fishing. Fishing. Oh, there you go. There's fishing. There's okay, fishing, so they're consumables there's... of one day. Bait. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you need more consumables of water, though, too. Well, true. Encumbrance capacity of 50. Price of 5,400 um, pull tabs and a rarity of five. No weapons other than the bows, slings, and spears of the warriors that are on board. Mm. And then you should use it in the vehicle in the age of myth or fantasy settings. So, yeah, I like that because it's, um, I don't know, it'd be cool to do a Vikings campaign now that I've been playing the Vikings yeah. <laughs> survival game called Valheim. <laughs> So when are you running like, Primeval like, Thule for us? Oh, I know. I oh, There's some fucking raiders in there, dude. Yeah, dude. I will at some point in the far future. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, that's a long ship. What you got, Stefan? Me? Me, I'm upset because you sank my battleship. <laughs> oh. So they do have the stats for a World War II era battleship, which for years was the ultimate weapon of the uh the world's navies so yeah, these well, carried of course largest cannons deployed sea symbol of, of course natural pride and uh, and as well as hideously expensive they say <laughs> with a price tag of 90 million dollars 
Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> in the nineteen, pull tats, yeah, pull tats. during during World War Two era, yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure that's how much they were. Of course, that's it. So, oh, yeah. pretty big ship, silhouette of seven. Oh yeah, uh, fairly fast though, max speed of uh, of four. So once they start uh, moving, uh, <laughs> don't stop. But terribly, terribly uh, difficult to maneuver at minus four. That's, that's right. You can't turn the fuckers. <laughs> no. Uh, defense, no, not much of defense. They're, they're big sitting ducks in, in the water. But uh, so there's defense zero, but lots of armor of seven <laughs> because they take into account that they're sitting ducks. Let's armor up the thing. <laughs> we paid a lot of a lot of money into it, <laughs> and then 120 on the hull threshold and 90 system strain, so it can take a beating. Of course, uh, it takes uh, operating as a control skill and a massive crew of about 1,800. Up to 200 passengers can fit aboard. Uh, they can stay up at sea for about three months. Uh, and uh, so those, those sailors get really lonely when they're back in port. Uh, encumbrance capacity of 400. And uh, yeah, quite a few weapons they have. Uh, 16-inch gun turrets, uh, two forward, one aft. So they've got uh, some, some firing arcs, fire arc forward, port, starboard, etc. Of course, you know, the one aft can also fire uh, behind. They use the gunnery skill, damage of 15, critical 3, and a whopping range of strategic, so they don't really have to see the target <laughs> to, to hit it. Uh, blast five, breach three, linked two. Yeah. Damn. And then, and then some other weapons that will help uh, protect it. Uh, ten uh, starboard and port uh, five-inch gun turrets, so we can protect them against uh, smaller targets uh, incoming. Oh, damage seven, critical three, long range, and of course missiles. Uh, no, no, there's no anti-air guns. Sorry, my missiles is uh, something else. So they've got some of those weapons to cover all the arcs. Uh, damage one only, crit four, range medium, but uh, so just lots of weapons. <laughs> oh yeah, and then it has a massive quality, so uh, it can reduce the uh, the crits. Uh, you know, making it harder to crit on the, on it. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Now, yeah. if you wanted to give it, if you wanted to give a it a defense rating of like two, um, for like a more modern battleship, you could put like a, you could flavor that as being like a close in weapon system, a sea whiz, you know, that are on the side where you can just oh, blast yeah. blast those uh, missiles coming in or whatever coming yeah, in close. Point, that could that point, could de- that could defense explain systems, the defense. Yeah. Yeah, your defense point defense systems. Yep. yep. Sounds good. There you go. Awesome. Awesome. And then okay. we go to air vehicles. Which, what do you got, Tony? So your air vehicles, these all tend to have uh, much lower um, hull and strain thresholds because they're lighter uh, craft. Hmm. Um, so I, but I like the uh, the big the you know the big bus of the sky, the World War II heavy bomber. Um, you know, the B-29, you know, Fifi herself, uh, 
we're talking, you know, a silhouette of three, max speed four, handling minus one, 20 hull, 16 strain, of course, no armor, no defense. Um, control skill is piloting, of course. Um, Complement one, co- one pilot, one co-pilot, one navigator, one bombardier gunner, one radio operator gunner, and then two gunners. Of course, that's your crew of your average B-29. Um, passenger capacity of two. Uh, consumable 12 hours. Uh, encumbrance capacity of 30. And it's got some heavy machine guns that are all personal scale. All the weapons on here, the turrets um, that are rear, uh, tail mounted, and then the um, the belly turrets, all of them are personal scale weapons. Mm-hmm. Um because when you're thinking World War II era planes, um, they were using personal scale uh, yeah. machine guns against other fighters and other bombers. It wasn't because nothing had nothing flying had armor. Uh, right. And then of course we have our special uh, uh, special ability here that uh, Stefan mentioned earlier was in Christopher's uh, document, which mm-hmm. is the bombing run. Um, the bombardier may pick a point on the ground beneath the bomber and spend a action to perform a hard gunnery check. Uh, and it just does a shit ton of damage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Kaboom. So that's your World War II heavy bomber. Yeah. How about you, homie? Cool. Well, I went into space. And I oh, did. Yeah. An interstellar freighter as my choice. So for every military starship, there are a thousand freighters transporting goods. Our take on a space freighter is similar to a small ocean-going freighter with a small crew, large cargo holds, and limited maneuverability. Now, I picked this one as this would be your... Hey, we want to do smuggling. We want to do a crew of smugglers or... If you know, a, you know, like, you can't take the sky from me. No, I can't. <laughs> I can't take the sky from you. But I could certainly go to a galaxy far, far away and do it. <laughs> Potentially. And, so, and do, do you aim to misbehave? <laughs> do <you>? Exactly. <laughs> do you? I'll answer your question with a question. Do you? <laughs> um, so this is a Silhouette 5 vehicle. Uh, max speed is three, handling minus two. Um, it does have a defense rating of two and armor of two, so it could take a beating for sure. Um, a hull trauma of um, threshold of 20 or 40. A strain threshold of um, 20. Control skill is operating. Can have five crew including your companion, if you need it, right? It's part of the crew. Passenger capacity is five. Consumables, you could be out in the black for three months. Um, Encumbrance capacity of 600. The price is 75,000. Pull tabs. And the rarity is five. Now, uh, the weapons on it, it's got one one, one, um, one weapon on it. It's a defensive laser projector. With a forward firing arc, using the gunnery skill, damage of four, critical of three, and extreme range, 
but it is pretty accurate because laser, <laughs> right? Um, and of course, you use this in sci-fi in a space opera setting. So awesome. that's cool. This is pretty. Or that's space pretty straightforward. Or space western, yeah, space yeah. western. <laughs> but I mean, I could see. I mean, you could totally tweak this a bit. Um, you know, to uh, suit your needs for sure. Yep, there's a good basis. And I've got it reminisces uh, my favorite fire, my favorite air vehicle is the World War II era fighter plane. My personal one is the the P fifty one Mustang was always my favorite. Cadillac uh, of the sky. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to see some some cool scenes of a P fifty one Mustang in in action, I'll get the movie uh, Red Tails. Nice. Oh, Great okay. movie. Great movie. Uh, so this is, a, like I said, a prop-driven aircraft from around the 1940s designed to shoot down other fighter planes, escort heavy bombers like the one Tony likes to, uh, described earlier, and attack ground targets. So uh, they, had, they were equipped with uh, multiple ma- machine guns, uh, usually uh, fired as, considered as a single weapon. So it's fairly small, uh, Silhouette 2. Max speed of five, and uh, fairly maneuverable, of course, plus two handling. And like Tony mentioned, like uh, vehicles in that era uh, didn't have armor or defense, so zero in both uh, armor and defense. Only eight uh, hull and eight uh, systems train. And uh, of course, you use a piloting skill, only one pilot uh, in it. Passenger capacity, pretty much none. <laughs> made very compact. Mm-hmm. And about six hours of consumables. Encumbrance, a bit of gear, maybe four. for stowing some gear. Rarity, 40,000. Of course, restricted. Called a parachute. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> and it's got multiple wing-mounted heavy machine guns. They fire forward, so you have to aim the, the whole plane, pretty much, using the gunnery skill. Good damage of 12, critical 3, and medium range, accurate 2, auto fire, and it's personal scale, but pierce 2. So we can go through uh, <laughs> uh, any, any armor that the crew might even be wearing. And some of them might be fitted <laughs> with uh, ground attack uh, rockets, so they, they can fire at uh, fortified targets on the ground, whether it's an APC or one of those locomotives, maybe. Oh, yeah, your locomotive that you've got the campaign yeah, rails. That's it, exactly. Going to Germany. Yep. So it also uses gunnery, damage rating 5, uh, critical rating 4. I think the, dam- the reason why it's damage 5 could be because it's not personal scale. That's vehicle scale. So long range, blast 2, inaccurate, uh, 2, limited ammo. So, yeah, yeah they didn't carry tons of those. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Probably wing-mounted kind of things. So Weird Wars, modern-day settings could use that. Ten Houser. Yeah. As it comes out, right? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. So one last thing I wanted, and glad, I'm glad you stopped us on this page, is page 71 of mm-hmm. the the book here. It goes yep. into one last little optional rule and yeah, that's I saw that usable um, for, for 
particularly for settings like ours where we're going to have underwater. And that is the optional crashing or sinking rule. Uh, so on table, the critical hit result table uh, on page 230 of the core rulebook is designed to be a generic table for severe damage that can affect a vehicle. However, one thing it does not represent is the possibility of crashing or sinking in the case of an aircraft or watercraft. Uh, to better represent this threat, we present the following optional rule. When a ship or an aircraft suffers a critical hit, the attacker may spend additional three advantage or triumph to inflict a separate unique crashing slash sinking critical hit on it. It is a hard critical hit to remove. Um, and the vehicle has a major leak in its hull or uh, its control surfaces are shredded. Uh, roll a D5. Uh, that'd be a D10 divided by two. And so your percentile dice. Yeah. Um, this is the number of rounds the vehicle remains afloat or in air. Uh, not including the current round. If the critical hit has not been repaired by the end of the last round, the vehicle sinks to the bottom or crashes and counts as having been destroyed. Uh, what happens to the passengers depends on the vehicle in question. Um, yeah. And may, may be modified by you accordingly. So in the case of ships, passengers and crew could swim away. Uh, if they're in a airplane that's going really fast they're gonna burn up and die um <laughs> well unless they have the um encumbrance capacity then have that <laughs> to carry a parachute <laughs> to right, have exactly. a parachute to jump out they could uh, have you know mm -hmm. the eject however in some cases such as a a submerged submarine when the vehicle sinks or crashes nobody survives mm. oh shite buckets <laughs> Well, so, yeah. yeah, that's a great way to put a timer on whether your players are going to be making new characters or not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that that little rule uh, was a hand would be a handy one to keep in mind, uh, GMs, if you're going to be running vehicle combat in submersibles or ships yeah. or airplanes. Yeah. Yeah. In the so, air and space, it doesn't really matter as much unless there's lots of obstacles around like asteroid fields. <laughs> right. Uh, so that is the main subject of our show. We've done two whole episodes of deep diving and deep driving in vehicle uh, vehicle land. Um, you guys got anything else to add? Oh, I think oh, I'm pretty good. I want to no. see if there's anything on the um, maybe on the slab. <laughs> Yeah. If we roll in something in from let's go to the lab then <laughs> walk this way talking about all these vehicles uh we're going our next stop on the locomotive uh, the next station is on the slab so this is of course the part of the show where tony chooses an adversary from one of the books and he dissects it a bit by bit and uh we see how we can change it for different settings so tony what's on the slab today 
Well, on the slab, I have my, oh, well, it's a vehicle themed. Um, so the trusty steed, which mm. is a rival from Keep Forge, page 151. It's just steed. Uh, many cultures on the crucible breed creatures as mounts, beasts of burden. Saurians often employ non-sentient dinosaurs, for example, while demons of Dis you, uh, have been seen using imps that move on writhing tentacles. Members of the Untamed uh, ride all manner of beasts, including armored horses, mighty stags, befriended tigers, and many types of mutated creatures. Um, this is a generic uh, one. There's there's a bunch of um, mounts listed in Terranoth also, but uh, I like this one because it was generic, and, and, and it a little tweaking either direction and some rules for tweaking down at the bottom underneath. Um, and you have yourself just about any mount that you can think of, whether um, you're thinking of riding around on a war pig, yeah, piggy, piggy! <laughs> <laughs> or whether you're, uh, you're, you're uh, a whole troop of your friends and you are riding on the back of an oliphant um, or whether you and the rest of your Thark clan are riding around on thoats. Nice. Or maybe you're a little girl who wants to ride a Panzerbjorn into the. Uh, <laughs> um, either way, um, the uh, the stat line is uh, three brawn, three agility, one intellect, one cunning, two willpower, one presence, with a soak of four and a wound threshold of fifteen. No defenses. Um, this rival has a skill block of athletics, brawl, and coordination. Um, with the the according uh, skill ranks being one to one for those, no talents. It's got an encumbrance capacity ability of twelve. It can haul some shite. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got a silhouette two, and it's got a trained mount ability here, uh, which adds a boost die to the character's riding checks while mounted on the steed. Uh, simple. Kick is listed as its equipment for an attack. It's a brawl-based attack, does seven damage, four crit, range of engage, disorient two, and knockdown. Simple enough. This is your basic horse. Um, yeah. However, in the additional rules, uh, you've got this thing called functional form, where the steed can carry a number of beings with a combined silhouette equal to its own and you treat every silhouette uh every two silhouette zero beings as one silhouette one um if there are riders when then subtract the total value of their silhouettes from its um encumbrance capacity so and the encumbrance capacity uh, of a steed can be reduced to six to gain either a the hoverer ability for an additional 200 um, pull tabs in this it's aim bits um, <laughs> uh, or even fly for 800 additional aim bits uh, now of course this is listed as equipment in here for a total of I think it has a cost of um, yeah 300 aim bits to start okay. um it's also you can increase the creature's silhouette by one for that oliphant at uh, silhouette three. Um, 
uh, and increase its brawn, and all those things will, um, or sorry, when you increase its silhouette, it increases it by one. It also increases its brawn and soak by one, and it adds, each one of these adds to their, um, their uh, rarity by chain, uh, using these little interchangeable bits. But uh, really, this is a, it's a, it's a generic stat block. So if you have the Keyforge book, if you don't have the Keyforge book and you want steeds, um, get it. Yeah. Just for the steed. At least for the PDF, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, the PDF is relatively cheap. Uh, the steed stat block is handy. Um, and uh, I've used it for my base for what I called an Arthrodire skeleton that I have designed here. Arthur Dyer being a type of uh, armored fish um, for prehistoric times. Um, um, but the reason why I brought this out instead of like reskinning the heavy war horse or something else is because I wanted to talk about, um, because this is a vehicles uh, uh, show, there is an optional rule here on page 151 optional rules of using steeds as vehicles. Um, a steed is an organic creature uh, or even a mixture of machine and flesh or even flesh-like machinery is represented in the game using a standard profile. However, when both organic mounts and vehicles interact in an encounter, it's often useful to treat the flesh and blood steeds like vehicles. So a mount's uh, silhouette that's divided into four little notes here. Silhouette. A mount silhouette is on the same scale as a vehicle. So a silhouette two mount is the same size as a silhouette two vehicle. It can carry a number of beings, and it talks about that same rule that the functional form had. Uh, speed. One of the primary reasons for using a steed is the speed advantage it gives the rider over variable terrain. A mount's maximum speed is equal to half its agility rounded up. So for the example, a creature with an agility of three would have a speed of two uh, when looking at vehicle speeds. Right. Handling. To determine the handling characteristic of a given mount, start with the beast's agility, subtracting both the silhouette and the willpower. The final result is your handling characteristic, which I thought was a very handy way of doing this. So a beast that has been specifically trained to accept and work with a rider provides a bonus to skill checks used for writing actions in the beast entry. The trained mount ability is followed by a number, which indicates a number of boost dice added to writing checks. That is what you would just take for your handling. In that case, oh, if it doesn't have one, you can use its agility, uh, subtract the silhouette and the willpower. So if so, if you had a steed that didn't have it, in this case, the agility is three, subtract the silhouette of two, which is one, willpower of two makes it a negative one handling. Correct. If it didn't have the trained yeah, so mount no. ability. Yes. Because it's a Got total it. of four, three minus four, negative one handling. Negative right. one handling. But because it's a train, that's kind of cool. Yep. That's awesome. That's so, kind of a neat. That's a neat way of um, calculating that. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then the rest of the profile, so uh, a steed is treated as a vehicle for the purpose of moving through the environment and being controlled by the character. The remainder of its profile stays the same. The mount keeps its wound and strain thresholds, its melee and range defenses, and its soak value, but does not gain hull trauma or system strain thresholds. Attacks against the steed are resolved on personal scale combat. If the steed is ever called to suffer system strain for any reason, it just takes an amount of strain equal to that amount instead. So that was why I wanted to bring that up, mainly just so I could read that um, and invite you guys over to some advantageous threats where our pilots will be fighting against some I one, one, one thought I had for the Oliphant, uh, if you consider it a vehicle, you can give it also maybe the uh, vulnerable uh, negative quality. And when you know, it's vulnerable to uh, single uh, elven archers. <laughs> you see one of those, it's like t- turn tail and run. It still it's, only it's counts as exactly. one, though. That's yes. right. It only counts as one. <laughs> It's still, there's no defense against that. So, <laughs> right, right. It's also, be, that elf's gonna be surfing your corpse. Yeah, pretty That's much. Right. Also, a shield maiden with two swords too. She she yeah. fucks them up too. So, yeah, as right. long as she's got a uh, as long as she's got a, a halfling uh, controlling the horse. <laughs> right on. That's right. Now, here's a question for you, related to using a steed as a vehicle. I crit the thing. Is it a personal crit? It's I personal it scale. Personal scale. So even the, the so the crits are personal scale. Yeah. When you're doing personal damage. Okay. Cool. Just figured I'd ask. Yep. All right. All attacks against the steed are resolved in usual personal scale combat. Oh, duh. That means crits too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Duh. It's right there in that sentence. Cool. All right. So. Well, that is it for the slab today. Let's jump on over and do some advantageous threats. Excellent. All right, this is a segment called Advantageous Threats, where we like to build, roll, and narrate the die results of some sample skill checks for our entertainment and hopefully yours. And in this one, Tony will be running us through a little uh, scenario that was, of course, uh, in line with our main topic. Tony? Yes, this was originally part of an adventure that I had written for playtesting for our um, Epsilon Eclipse game, uh, or setting, So uh, that I was going to run for you guys before the apocalypse happened um, mm. at our uh, next convention that we went to. But however, so we're, here we are. Um, so the Epsilon Eclipse has world hopped to the city reef uh, of Garden Shoal. On the, on the water world of Rolantis, ordered by the barkeeper to head into the eelman-infested waters to seek a missing Aquilar princess. The players have procured a single. Are you guys in one, or did you guys each get your no. own? No, I think no, we're, we're in one. We're in a okay. pseudo. We're in one pseudo. Yep. In one submersible dogfighter known as a pseudo. 
After several days of following the princess's trail, the players have come across her golden crab mech yacht under attack by undead fish riding eel men. What? Yep. So what you see are these large um, 15 foot arthrodire skeletons, which is just bone plated fish um, skeleton that just are leaking greenish necromantic energy into the water and riding on their backs are eel men, um, evil inhabitants of Verlantis, also uh, allies of the, uh, the dark uh, oh. enemy of, oh the, um, of the Epsilon Eclipse. So uh, let's well, roll up some initiative first. Yeah, and we do have to decide... Who's piloting? <laughs> Let's roll some initiative, and then you guys can figure out where you're figure at. Figure that well, out. Well, gotcha. do you want to introduce our characters? Yeah, let, let's do that as we roll initiative. Let's oh, start okay. with um, okay. let's start with uh, Stefan. What are you? Who are you playing? All right, I'm playing a uh, Zol Hatar mechanics engineer. These are the scarab-like, hot-tempered, fire-spitting uh, bugs, and this is. He's called Martu Matches, Winds that Wind That Burns. <laughs> he loves tweaking or improving in vehicles, even if it runs smoothly already. He can make it better. Doesn't matter. Come on, let's go. Let's go save the princess. Nice. What does he roll for initiative? You guys, um, um, you came over a rise in the in the water where it's just rise in the ocean floor and you see her mech crawling amongst a kelp forest and just swarmed with these um, eel men. No. All right. So he rolled his initiative is a vigilance for initiative and he got zero successes and three advantage. Okay. Zero three. Mm -hmm. All right. And Chris, who are you playing? Oh, I am playing my the Norskill lumberjack, Joseph Joss Momfred, or Big Joe. Um, because you know he's my lumberjack, and lumberjacks are okay. Yes. <clears throat> and because he's a lumberjack, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Though I need to, he he needs a he needs to earn some experience points at one of these days too. <laughs> um. <laughs> And he is, you know, he is definitely, he's rocking the flannel vestments. Um, and uh, he's ready to save a princess, man. Yes, and we're By aboard our... Axe and Saw Templar, baby. And we're aboard our Sodu, or Sudo, that I have christened the Wave Axe. Okay, who's, who's your pilot, by the way? Who's piloting this thing? Well... Um, You could pilot it if you want. Sure, I could pilot it. I'll, I'll oh, by be the a way, pilot engineer. By the way, my um, my initiative was the same: zero successes, oh. three advantage. Oh, All right, right, sweet. So it's going to be, so the two eel men that peel off from the group, um, attacking, and head towards you, aiming their necroblaster cannons 
off the what? front of their fish at you. They're going to go before you with an initiative two and one and a one and two. Got so it. You guys are going to go at zero and three. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the first eelman, the first of the email eelman, he will use his maneuver to cause his fish to go from uh, zero. So he's a maneuver to a, um, advance. Um, what's that? Accelerate mm-hmm. zero to speed one. Uh, moving at speed one. So you, when you came over the rise, you guys were at extreme range. Mm, okay. um, so the, he's going to move from extreme range to long. Um, with his necroblaster, he is out of range. So he will be taking uh, his action to swim evasively. Yep. And uh, so. Um, that will in, uh, upgrade any checks against him. The second one will be doing the same. First player slot. All right. Well, I, since I'm the pilot, I'm going to get us close. Um, I'm pretty sure we were we were trying to beat feed it here. Um, probably doing, I don't know if we were doing max speed, but if we weren't, I am now. Okay. Um, right. Actually, yeah, we were probably doing max speed, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Coming here? Yeah. <laughs> coming here that's, um, that's why they spotted us before we did them so yep they heard um, you before you saw them yeah <laughs> yep. ah, who cares about stealth <laughs> so the hell with stealth go 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 that means i am going to reposition us to be closer um as a maneuver right and that will do so with our speed of four we can move three range bands yeah. Right. I believe so. Yep. So we can get we can get right up and close to him. But okay. I think I think what I'll do, you know what I think what I'll do is I'll I'll um I'll decelerate. Now does that move us closer to? Can I do the reposition and Yeah, you know what? That's what I'll do. I will decelerate to 3. Okay. I'm going to spend two strain and two system strain. Which I'll make a note of it here. System strain two. And I'll take two strain to reposition to, I would think that would take us to at least short range. Right? Okay. And I'm going to fire the twin blazer cannons at the thing. Awesome. At one of them. Okay. So my gunnery is going to be my. Um, going to be based off my agility, which is two. I have nothing in gunnery. Um, range of probably just one, right? Do they have a um, defense? So um, are you aiming at the rider or the mount as a vehicle? The mount <clears throat> as a vehicle. Okay. All right. So they do not have any defense. Sorry, I'm a my strain for myself and I will spend a story point because I don't know lumberjack in a pseudo firing on a under firing underwater at a skeleton dude is just okay. awesome yeah. um, and here we anything else you want to do to this pool I have a yellow a green and a purple 
right, so these guys do not have adversary. However, I did say it was one upgrade due to their dodging. Mm. Oh, that's right. You did. You sure did. Okay. Um, so that's it. Okay. Here we go. Oh, I got one threat. Ooh. Okay, so your... Pew, pew, pew. Your, um, <laughs> your shots go wide, and they hit the ground near the princess's vehicle. Oh. Stitching towards the princess's vehicle, and you see that it's, like, you know, it's doing that. The blazer shot is going... Pew, 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 and it's stitching towards, stitching towards, and you see, oh, crap, I'm almost going to hit it. So you quickly slam the the controls for the gun to shut it off. And when you do, it okay. kind of sticks. So next time you go to use the gun, it's going to have a setback. Gotcha. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So matches sees, unfortunately, that Joe may have bruised the uh, the controls, damaged some of the controls. He'll do a quick damage control to try and see if he can repair that real quick. Ooh. Okay. Um, you can remove that setback die if you have a successful mechanics check. In this uh -huh. case, um, I, I like it. Um, so let's do, we're going to call this one hard for damage All right. control here. All right. so Sounds good. You're trying to do it in the moment. You're trying to get around Big Joe, who's a big, big guy. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. <laughs> so I'm going to call uh, it hard. Hard check. All right. So here skill mechanics poop hard hey okay. all right uh so three purple uh, anything else so he's got my i've got three yellow one one green three purple well there needs to be a negative consequence flip a story point here i'm all on the right. GM side all right and, um, and upgrade yep. one we'll upgrade that once all right all right, I'm, I look good. No setback dice. Uh, oh, what did I do? Okay, good. Right, for a second there. Uh, no, I'm not asking for a boost dice. He's not familiar with the, uh, the, the controls of, the, of this vehicle enough to be familiar with it. So I'm uh, just going to roll as is. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go. Aha. One success, two advantages, and a despair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so manage at least to remove. You no, know, oh, you, you, you're not supposed to slam it that hard. Come on, bypass that. <laughs> what's the What's the minimum damage that your fire beetle? <laughs> Uh, let's see. Go back to his stats. Uh, that's. I think it's a five. Five damage for his burning sensation. <laughs> yeah. So um, you're climbing around trying to get in past Joe, and all of a sudden, Joe, you feel something hot mm. on your leg, and you okay. look down, and he's just leaking some of his fiery hot fluid out of his back end. Oh God, he's so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, hot 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 how much do i take five oh no soak no soak yeah oh. holy fuck. okay holy crap all right 
Oh, it could be damaged. It could soak it, maybe. I don't know. Hey, okay. you're leaking. You're nope, leaking. Just five wounds. All right. All right. You're leaking down there. <laughs> but I do have two advantages, so I repair it well enough that he's going to have a boost dice on his next action. Perfect. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. For me. All right. All right. Sorry. So we go Sorry. Back to the Sorry. top. <laughs> Sorry, Joe, but, you know, <laughs> these things just burn me up. <laughs> You're telling me, you little fucker. Get back up so, here. You're Get on these torpedo see, launchers. Get on these cannons. Sprung a leak. Right. <laughs> Get on these laser cannons. These blazer cannons. I can't shoot these worth a shit. I haven't uh, sighted them. Forgot to sight them. Darn it. That's what. Okay. Oh, I'll focus so, on uh, the torpedoes. You focus on the, the blazer blazers. <laughs> All right. So in round two, uh, you guys have, like I said, uh, like you said, you had moved into short range. Pretty and um, you're moving at a good clip. This. I see us doing this. We're just going to pass yeah. each other. Right. But they quickly turn their eels. They're going to turn them on a dime. So they're going to okay. make a piloting checks Ooh. or um, riding checks. Okay. Um, so the the ones that I'm using here are the uh, Coral Tamer. So the Coral Tamer Wave Ripper pilots. These um, are the specific pilot rivals. Um, they have a knack for it in piloting, or sorry, um, not piloting, it's um, riding. Should be riding, because they're riding an undead mount. But anyhow, um, yeah. All right, so piloting and riding. I've got to change it to riding, not piloting. Sorry. That's okay. Okay, I've got the right skill. Uh, difficulty for the check is their current speed, right? Silhouette speed. What is it again? It's um, our speed three. No, theirs. Uh, oh, so silhouette okay. of their mount, and it hmm. is upgraded by their current speed, which is two. So it's not upgraded at all. So it's two two purple difficulty. Correct. I mean, it's what do you mean? It's not upgraded at all. It should be, should be upgraded. I'm pretty sure that's what it, what you do. You have to um, form a dangerous. Difficulty equal to the silhouette of the vehicle. Current speed of the vehicle can alter the difficulty. Oh, that's right. Because they sl- did they slow down or what? Nope. What speed ma- were at they the max speed of two? Of two. And if you look oh, at the yep, chart, it doesn't, it doesn't upgrade it. That you're right. Yep, yep. Does not upgrade okay. it. Cool. All right. So, um, do you wish to affect my pool in any way, shape, or form? These mounts are trained mounts. Uh, no, so they, it's okay. They, they grant yep. a boost die. You could turn right. on a dime in front of me. That's cool. Oh, no, no, no. They're turning around a dime beside you. Hmm. All right. So grand Perfect. total. You have, I have you right where I want you. <laughs> Seriously. Grand total of um, two successes, two advantage. So um, for nice. the first one. So he just turns whoosh, right in on your flank, coming in on your left wing. Cool. And the other one. As is passing you, he's just going to fire off a necroblast from his necroblast cannon. Sweet. All mm. right. So the necroblaster. We do have a defensive one. We've got our sensor baffling technology going. Yeah. Okay, so necroblaster uses a gunnery, which it has a gunnery uh, skill of three and an agility of three. So three yellow. Mm. Short range, one purple. Uh, defensive one, got that. Yep. Um, and uh, I'm gonna say since you guys are moving into good 
pretty solid, um, good clip, and you did all that repositioning, I'm going to throw in another setback die. Um, but he's going to use his maneuver to aim this shot. So, yeah, I got three yellow, two black, blue, and a purple. Anything else? No, I'm good. I'm good okay. with it. I will uh, spend my last story point, give you guys all three of them to upgrade this check. All right. Sounds good. So here goes. No triumph. Darn it. Um, so for successes, but only one. So I ended up with um, three successes and one threat. Two threat. Three successes, two okay. threat. Uh, so the three successes, the weapon does nine personal scale damage. With three successes, it's not enough to do any hull damage to you guys. Doesn't, doesn't do get past your armor. Just nope. hits off the armor. Um, and uh, no threat. Uh, wait a second. Uh, threat. I'm just checking to see. Yeah, uh, it's only pierce two. That's not going to affect a thing. If it had breach... But That's it doesn't. Right. It doesn't. No. So no effect. No effect. All right. And All two, right. two threats. Maybe that necro blast sort of threw him off, and he'll he'll get. A, I think a it may be a ref- no. I think it. I, yeah. I, I definitely a setback die for it bouncing off the hull into right. its buddy. Kind of. Ooh, its buddy has to. It's maybe its buddy gets a setback die. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It ref- that sounds bounces good. off the hull. Nice. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> So, so the then, blast is reflected off of your armored hull and yeah. it goes right over that left wing and the other one yeah. has to duck under it, dodge a bit. So he'll have a setback So All right, first I'm player gonna, slot. I'm going to go because I'm going to reposition ourselves right. ahead one range band so that I am short range from the guy who pulled up beside us, right? And he's now behind us. That's what I'm picturing. He was on our side. He, said. he was on our side, so he's right next right. to us. But I'm going to reposition right. ahead of him one range band. I'm going ah, three. Gotcha. He's a, okay, because I'm going to use the electro net on him. All right. <laughs> All right. Gunnery check. I got to use a story point because fucking lumberjack using an electro net. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> um, Underwater. <laughs> and then you said adversary. No, no adversary. He wasn't evading. So, yeah, so I have a yellow, a green, and a purple, Tony. Are you muted, Tony? Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, I was you know what? Listening. I'm going to spend two. I'm going to spend two strain and aim. And I'm going to take that boost die that he gave me. Yeah. So I got two boost dice, too. Nice, nice. Okay. Okay. Hey, you you have, uh, did you say you were going to upgrade? I did upgrade, yes. You did, yes. Spend a story point. I just forgot to flip one of my Othello chips here. Nice. Mm. Okay. All right. So here we go. Fuck me. Okay. So um, I want to say this real quick. Um, yeah. We may have a. I'm getting a like a Max Headroom effect from you guys a little bit, just so you know. I don't know if that's going to affect the recording. Mm, but okay. sorry, listeners, if you hear a little bit of that, um, we can't help it. Sky does it good. to us. It does. It totally does. Now, I failed with five advantage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure that shit. I haven't. I didn't roll one success on any of my oh. dice. 
Um, but that's how you fail, by the way, people, when you're rolling four positive dice and one negative die. Um, I failed with five advantage. Um, I can, I think I can activate and snare anyway, right? Yes. Ooh, I'm I will going allow to, it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do so it. Yeah. While the weapon, the electro doesn't fire. Maybe it just, it wasn't charged properly or wasn't mounted yeah. in there fo- properly. That it works. doesn't fire, but the net hits them. Poof. Wraps them up. Some some of my uh, burning sensation uh, went through the electric <laughs> system and didn't charge the, yep. uh, the yep. net. That works. Um, so that's two of your advantage. Yep. And you know what? Maybe when the when maybe when the net does connect, maybe the maybe when the ends kind of connect, I'll 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 activate stun three as it does yeah. charge up. Just a residual charge. Just a res- I don't know. Maybe. Fair enough, but it's for the rest of your advantage. Instead it's of sure, two, it's for all three. Good. That works. But you know what? Yep. That's our only net, dude. I, we only have yeah, one, one as well. net. <laughs> 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 yeah, we just yep. took one guy out of the fight for three rounds. Yes, yeah. we did. <laughs> Depending on how much stun he takes. Though. He's immobilized. This is a mobile fight. <laughs> yes, it you could be out of his or, range or, in seconds. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you could... Or you, or you could activate and snare twice. You know, like he's really wrapped up. <laughs> I don't know if he can do that. <laughs> nope, that's good. Okay, go All for right. it, dude. Okay. Oh, Next stop. player slot. Step All right. Up. Yes. All right. So he's the pilot. I can't do anything that way. Uh, none of the maneuvers really I can uh, I can help with. I'll just try to prepare. You could man the guns and you use the forward the guns. Blazers. I'll, I'll try. I'll blazers. Try. Okay, for blazers, I'll try to aim, aim and, that and other fire one? at the other guy. Yeah. He was still in front of us, or no? Yes. All right. Cool. All right. Good. Gunnery. Short range, gunnery, probably. Short range, which is uh, only one. Yep. Okay. And I will aim. Mm-hmm. And take. That. Uh, are you? Uh, I have one purple, then a blue, a green, and two yellow. Are you okay with that? Uh, yes, Tony. Sir. I'm, all right, I'm two. Go ahead. Oops. Come on, hit. Zero successes, two advantage though. <laughs> so pew, you know, pew, pew. you know, you know, Stefan, <laughs> we we fucking suck at this game. Princess, <laughs> princess, better save herself. Yeah, I think so. Jesus. We're just we're just here for the distraction. That's all. <laughs> so, but two advantages. So I I'm, I'm firing, filling the space around him with uh <laughs> with laser blast. He doesn't the know lasers. what the hell to do. Yep. Blazers, yep. yeah. Uh, hitting some uh, some fish, a school of fish that go by, giving him maybe a setback in his next uh next action. Okay. <laughs> so. Top of round three. So what I've got is you guys were oh. you were beaming in towards the the princess's uh, crab mech, uh, yeah. and then these guys came at you uh, in round one. Uh, in round two, you kind of moved level with them. You turned facing the one with your back to the other when you repositioned, okay. um, and when they went on either side of you, and yep. so. You shoot at the one, and the just a school of fish passes between at the same time. But he's splashed with fish skeletons and everything, and <laughs> and um, the other one 
is wrapped up in this net that didn't fire off right and electrocute him like it's supposed to. So the one directly in front of you whips out of his um, tunic. He's got like this armored tunic on. He pulls something out of it. Looks like a bomb. Just a big, like basketball-sized okay. bomb. It's got oh. covered spikes, and it's leaking green necrotic energy. And he just drops it on the ground. Uh-oh. And when he does, um, for his entire action, he pulls that out, throws it on the ground. So I'm going to make a ranged attack to throw that on All right. The All right. Like and, that doesn't look good. Oh, my you guys want to do anything to my pool? I have uh, two yellow, one green, and a purple. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, definitely. Yeah. It's a bomb. <laughs> yeah. Let's flip a point because, you know, with all the other fish in, around, in, in the sea. It's a okay. bomb. Hopefully. So um, my I, grand total sea. here, I upgraded that to a red. It gave me a failure, which balances out my five successes that I had rolled plus a triumph. <laughs> oh. So the, the I got four successes and a triumph. So it lands on our hull. No, he drops it on the ground. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, on the and C4. it goes off. Um, and with Triumph, he's going to trigger Blast. Uh-oh. And, and is, this a, is this a vehicle scale weapon? Uh, no, it is a personal scale weapon. However, it, it is. is going to have Breach 1. Ooh. And okay. this personal scale 14 damage necrotic energy blast just. And um, there's this wall of green energy. You just passes through your ship um, as it hits you. Um, so normally it does 14 damage, but he, oh, he hit 14 damage and he activated blast. He hit the ground. Yeah, what the hell? It's going to do 14 damage to you guys with Breach 1. Breach 1, so it'll do a point of hull trauma to us. A point of hull trauma. Correct. And then... And how much much else did you I didn't really need to use the Triumph to activate... You know what, the Blast? No, no, Tony, Tony, Tony. (laughs) You know that there's that, that sink, that sinking... Yeah, that's what I'm thinking with Triumph. He's going to activate right. sinking. Oh, sinking crit. Okay, which you'll have to fix. <laughs> All, so that one. blast goes off and the, the hull just kind of just cracks a little bit. And cracks. And you see this crack going across your windscreen. No, I up. want it to go across my burn on my leg. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> the crack is going over the, the not the windshield, but whatever you call it, your yeah, forward it. bubble. Yeah. Um, yep. Oh my gosh! And water starts to flow in. So you, uh, I will roll a d5. A d5. A so d5. You d10 get divided on, by two. I roll a four. So two rounds before you sink wow. to the bottom. Meaning we're dead. So a hard okay. mechanics check. Ah, uh, well. If you'd like to right. do that now, I'll do that. Yeah. Right. The other one, yep. the other one uh, is gonna just go ahead and make his strength. Um, or his yeah. athletics check to try and break out. I All think right. that's an that's a hard check as well. It's a hard athletics check. He has no ranks in athletics and a brawn of two. So right. I'm rolling three purple dice versus two green. So that's uh, a hard check for good my... Good luck with that. Um, for Harvard. All right. You guys upgrading it? No, I'm, uh, 
I think we're all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We had one point, one story point left. Yes, you do. Um, you use it on your. Yeah. I, I failed. Change. I failed with two threat. So I'd yeah. say right. that if he tries again next turn, he's getting like tangled up in the thing. We'll throw a setback die on him. Perfect. All right. All right. Okay. So. All right. So we got a hard check time repair. Round three. Yeah, I'll yep, try and prepare ahead. this real quick. Go for it. So I've got my skill, uh, three yellow and green, and then the three purples for the uh, for the difficulty, and I'm spending a story point to upgrade. And are you happy with the, uh, the pool? Yeah. All right. So let's go mechanics. Three successes. Woo! All right. So That's you it. pull out your device, whatever it is. What have you got that causes you oh. to fix this? Uh, he's got his uh, his rather, pat rather different patching tools, and he he needs a bit of heat, so he generates his own heat to, to fuse some of the uh, panels and uh, and uh, or the hot glue uh, and spread it evenly across the glass. To, uh, to seal it up uh, as quickly as possible. Nice. So very little water gets in. A lot of steam, though, inside. <laughs> Did you have any th threat or anything? Nope, nope, just three successes. No cool. threat, no advantage, no advantage, no, no despair, no triumph. <laughs> All right, homie. Okay, so that guy, when he advanced, so he came towards you, he threw that bomb. He kind of moved beyond your, just went past you on the right-hand side. So now they're both behind you. Sounds good. Um, I would like to turn the vehicle around. Okay. Um, well, I'd say the way this thing handles, the whipping it around isn't an issue. Yeah, that's, a, that's all I'm going to do, because I only need to be in extreme range to launch my forward torpedo tube. Oh, torpedo at this guy. <laughs> so I'm thinking probably short range, medium range. Uh, well, you get out medium. Yeah, medium range. Medium range. It is okay. It is slow firing though, which means I can fire it now. But uh, the, my second one will take, and I have to wait two rounds. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to spend a story point to upgrade this. Okay. This could end it in round three. Let's hope. With one of them being ensnared. I mean, I'm going to aim. I'm gonna spend. I'm gonna spend. Um, uh, did we have strain. any story points left? On our side? Yes, you have two. I had two. Okay, good. Okay, okay. Doing so that. Now we have one. Yep. yep. Okay. So then, what this says is, when making an attack with this weapon, spend an action to determine the dice pool. Don't make the check. I'm I'm going at the end of the round, so it doesn't really matter. Right. He's in range, so I'll make the check. Do you want to do anything to this? I have a. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna spend a GM story point to upgrade it. Okay, so that's a yellow, a green, a red, a purple, and a, using a blue. Torpedo, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! Um, one simple success. <laughs> so I'm going to do 60 damage to him. Yeah, he's Reach gone. Reach one. Um... <laughs> Boom. Where there was fish and eel man, now yeah. there is blood guts in the water. Yeah. Hey, man, go bigger, go home. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're going to stop there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>
Now, I didn't say anything because uh, I reread the bit of the rules of sinking. Uh, to to inflict a sinking, I think you to, to have a have a crit, yeah. Had to, uh, yeah, to, you but it to, was a triumph. So yeah, I, it was it's, a triumph. It's all good. I like it. Says, you, know, you, you have to have to, like use an extra triumph or three more, but whatever. Right. For yeah, the example, yeah. you, had you had a shit ton of advantage though, didn't you? No, I just had a far, five successes. Yeah, and a triumph. And a triumph. So plenty. either way, so, it was good yeah. fun narrative. And you're yeah, right. We should exactly. have. We should have. I should have just yeah. scored a critical on you guys is what I should have yeah. just done. But whatever. You did. But, it cracked our windshield and we had to prepare it. No big. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's one <laughs> way of, of it's yeah. one way of narrating it. So Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to make it clear for our listeners in case they go, No, no, that's not how you distribute to do it. Yeah, yeah. We That's right. We, we fucked just, up. Uh, but we narrated it so that it works. Yeah, exactly. Well. It still works out. <laughs> Word of cool, apparently. So well, yeah, and that is it. That was very cool, and I love the picture of freaking matches here, man. Yeah. Holy shit, dude! You did. All right, you burned my dude. Yeah, I know. Sorry, you burned Big Joe. I smell. I smell that. I smell flannel, burning flannel. Sorry about that. (laughs) Fucking burn my burn my flannel vestments. What the hell? Sorry. Sorry. Pristine, but, but, baby, pristine. <laughs> but right. you, you don't manhandle the controls like that. Jeez. Well, let's go get the princess. All right. <laughs> okay. Let's go on home. All right. Yeah, let's get out of here. I hope she has the hots for me. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, that was our show, Tony. Very fun. Haven't they just threats? Pretty awesome. Thank um, you. Can't wait till our next episode, where you will be continuing our um, actual plays of, uh, this is going to be session two of the Primordial Machina, The Crying Sky yes. adventure that you'll be running. So that'll be awesome. We'll and be adding believe- a third player. Yeah, your son Sean will be joining us, right? Yep. Mm. Looking forward to that. Awesome. So we don't have any listener feedback, but we do have something sp- a special announcement to make here. So mm. Tony, why don't you um, why don't you take that? So um, due to a recent event, a uh, friend of the show, uh, and those of you who know him know that he doesn't normally do this, uh, and but uh, he's real close to us, he's a close friend of ours. That's mm-hmm. uh, Jamie Pearson. Had a family, had a bit of a tragedy, and um, all I ask and all we ask is that um, if you know Jamie or you want to know the story, um, there will be a uh, a click, a link, a link in the show notes uh, to a GoFundMe that will tell you what's going on. Um, basically, a very close family member has had a tragedy. So um, please um, just... Give it a look if you want to. If you want to help him out, help him out. Um, we we asked this because Jamie is very close to us. He was actually the person who convinced Chris and I to do the show to start. And uh, so he, he holds a very special place in our hearts as Absolutely. a friend. He definitely inspired us mm-hmm. to do it. I mean, we started mm-hmm. listening to his show, The Gathering of Dorks, years ago. Um, met him at Con and a Cobb, Tony and I did, and hit it off. And he basically told us, do a show then we looked at each other and we're like all right then he's like you got to do a genesis one we're like all right and before <laughs> yeah. stefan joined us stefan was uh f- 
a, a solid member of Jamie's show. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. I helped so, him out. Yeah. They said. Again, if you know Jamie or you're interested yeah. in finding out, take a yeah, look or, at the link. Or know of him. I mean, he's been on the show a couple of times, too. Yep. All right. Okay. Thank you for, uh, if you if you can do anything, you know, we're, we we thank you a lot. So, All right. that's it. Uh, that's it for listener feedback, I think, uh, yep. segment. Then uh, I just want to switch it up a little bit. Uh, I'm going to do the contact info. So as usual, you can find us at uh, by email, finding the narrative podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, finding the narrative there, on MeWe as well. We have a page there. Um, uh, for Facebook, uh, me and Tony are there. We're pretty quick to reply, if anything. Uh, all three of us. Uh, have access to MeWe. I have uh, control, complete control over the Twitter presence at FTN underscore Genesis. If you want to just reach out uh, that way or post something. And uh, we hope that you recommend us to others. We're uh, on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Amazon Music, and probably a few others that we don't know about. So just Click, uh, type in Finding the Narrative Podcast, and uh, you should be able to find us. All right. Well, this is Tony saying, let's tell a story, spend a story point, and blow up some eel men. <laughs> uh, this is Stefan saying, dare to ask for those boost dice, unless they just come naturally. And this is Chris telling you to remember the rule of cool, especially when you're in a fucking submersible with a goddamn fire beetle. Um, <laughs> hot, 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 hot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> just have fun doing it. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Adios. Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast, is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned on this show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. <laughs>